0: I think the greatest thing that ever happened in South Florida broadcasting history was when the Marlins realized their egregious mistake yes. of letting this man go from their broadcast there as the color where he was doing an outstanding job and was beloved by everybody. Yes. And then, well, we're going in a new direction. I want to go. Yes. And uh, tell you, well, you're not on board there, uh, Tommy. But. <laughs> Bringing him back, I think, was uh, as monumental uh, an accomplishment for the Marlins franchise as winning the two World Series. We welcome on the show the great Tommy Hutton. Tommy, how are you, my friend? Good to have you on the show. Hey,
1: well, uh, first of all, I don't know if it it compares with the two World Series, but I got to go back to the uh, clip that you played before, the past clip, when I asked you to squeeze me a 20. I made that 20 back recently recently. Taking the over/under on the wheelchairs for your junket to <laughs> Atlantic
2: City.
0: So. Uh, you hit that right away, man! People went straight to the window; they didn't even bother picking up their. Uh... <laughs> you should see those people sprint though when they when they get to the Atlantic City <laughs> airport, and then the bus is like you know a few feet away, and, and they all just just fly right out of the chair there, and it's like all of a sudden you're watching Carl Lewis in the track meet and the long jump. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, a new event.
3: The <laughs> time wake up with Defo joined by luby welcome to the Defo show.
0: Do we pick up the luggage at the hotel or take it from here? <laughs> I just love it. They hand you a sheet with like all the instructions on it. They say you don't have to touch a thing. It's great those Atlantic City junkets. I can't wait to go on the next one. As I uh, genuinely enjoy it and it is nice to feel young again that's uh, about the only time I feel young anymore is when I get on the plane and or just see the lineup of uh, people waiting to board the plane there to Atlantic City on those freebie junkets from Harris. Hey hey good morning everybody it's a appeal yourself off to Matt Monday here on a Defo show. I'm Jeff DeForest and that my friends is Mike Luby Lubitz. Uh, you know I, I'm finding this uh, you know and it could be the key to a successful relationship. I think it helped extend the uh, duration of my second marriage, which uh, shouldn't have lasted more than a few hours. And then and and there was some talk about an annulment coming from her side of the family. because I guess, you know, isn't it okay to get lost in Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, my son, uh, Jesse, uh, was out in Las Vegas when we had that 70th birthday celebration. But uh, actually was not in attendance at the big, uh, you know, gathering when everybody got together for the birthday dinner. Why? Because he was playing poker at uh, a nearby casino. And I I was thinking, I really respect that. I do. Some people that might have caused some kind of very, uh, you know, uh, uh, just uh, almost uh, abrasive kind of rift. In the family, but, uh, you know, with me and everybody accepted it. Oh, yeah, he's in a poker tournament. No problem, man. Let's hope he wins, which is great. All right. uh, Good morning, everybody. Uh, Good to be with you. Peel yourself off the mat Monday. A lot uh, of ground to cover here uh, on the program. Uh, Just uh, should you do it, Luby? Why don't you just do it? I I don't know that there are enough people that attend uh, offices anymore. I guess, you know, people still get together. Uh, uh, Look, certainly we see a lot of people gathering, uh, you know, in terms of a work environment in the restaurant business when we visit these various places with Mike Mayo in the lunchbox, right? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's still are, like, people that get together to go to work. It's not like uh, it was maybe. But uh, how prominent. And now it's all online anyway, they, these office pools. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter. I mean, it used to be, like, uh, you had to find a volunteer to run a pool, and it was usually some unscrupulous salesperson. Did you always find that to be the case, that uh, it was a sales guy that was running the office oh, pool? Oh,
4: yeah, Always. 100 percent.
0: Now, we did work at one time and we were very much held in favor. And I felt very secure about our position there at 940 wins when uh, Olson, uh, Brian Olson, what was the general manager? Because he embraced that. And I think he had ordered one of the guys that was on the bubble as far as the sales crew went to uh, go ahead and conduct the office pool. Because he was very much into uh, the whole idea that uh, and, and there were a lot of degenerate gamblers in the building, we came to find out which is why, uh, you know, they kept escalating their salaries at the expense of others. But that's, uh, you know, if you're in a position of authority, you can afford to be, uh, you know, a little bit uh, in the red when it comes to losing your bets. But, uh, yeah, usually it was an unscrupulous salesman that ran the office pool. And you were wondering, how much was he really skimming off the top? Was that not your first concern? <laughs>
4: no. <laughs> I know you guys did. I never thought like that. Because we knew it was,
0: uh, I mean, the the payoff was short. Come on. Paid like four or five places, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, by the time you added it all up, it was wait a minute, man. Now, who who are you know authorized you to have a fifty percent takeout on a poll? But uh, I mean, w- would you just give your money to the cleaning lady right now, Luby? If you were looking at this,
4: <laughs> oh yeah, I've never done well in any of these, like ever, never. <laughs>
0: I, I love seeing the chalk playing losers destroyed on the first day of the tournament. That that's always my favorite thing. Now, not that I'm not among them. Because uh, my natural tendency is to go, even in the eight versus nine game, you know, you're thinking, "Wow, maybe I'll step out there on a limb there and take the team that's seated ninth, the higher seed." But uh, and, and it used to be okay; it was safe uh, in bracketology to go ahead and uh, just, uh, you know, naturally, uh, the one versus sixteen, you're conceding the game to the top seed. Uh, what is, has that happened once, right, once. in, in uh, the history of the NCAA tournament yes. with the sixteen, and it was recently? Yes, Virginia, sixteen seed pull the upset.
4: Lost to I think UMBC or something, and then the next year won the title. So like it, it sort of wiped out that because they, that exact team won a championship. So it sort of made up for it.
0: What was UMBC University of Maryland? Um, uh, What Baltimore Coast? Is that I
4: think British Columbia. I think British Columbia. I think I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to ask. Sarney Isn't that
0: great? We them. have no idea have who no pulled clue. off one of the most yeah. distinguished and no outrageously clue. exciting upsets in sports history. I mean, the lone team ever to do this, much like the 72 Dolphins are heralded. This team should always go, uh, you know, recognized in sports history as one of the giants. Uh, anyway, um, I, I would have no idea what to do. Uh, I, I do find it, you know, the, the first thing I look for. Uh, it, you know that some 12-seed is going to upset a 5-seed in, in a tournament. It's almost a matter of yes. routine now. Uh, it, it's gotten to a point where it goes even lower, where, where you've had a couple of occasions where the 15-seed has beaten the 2. Uh, certainly the 13th is dangerous against the 4 in some spots, but the 12-5 is where everybody starts looking, uh, okay, let's see. Who's going to be exciting among, their, among the number 12 seeds? Now, if you were with us last week when we had uh, Scott Spinelli, the uh, former uh, – NCAA coach. He was with three different teams, including Jim Sarni's beloved Boston College at one point. Did he bury them as a head coach? What, what happened there, Rowitz Spinelli. Do we know anything about his okay. resume as we tout him as a, uh, an expert? I think he he, he okay. seems to know his stuff. Yeah. I, Go think, ahead he
4: was, I think he was okay. He's, what he's done really well is he works with players. Like Chris Middleton was just a regular dude before he worked with him. And then Chris Middleton yeah. became a perennial all-star. So that's his claim to fame.
0: Well, I mean, you had to mention that for Heat fans, Chris Middleton. I mean, uh, (laughs) he may as well uh, be Levin and Weinstein. Uh, You know, I mean, he he buried the Miami Heat uh, in that last playoff series that they contested, which uh, we don't know where that's going to go either because uh, the Heat now are are, uh, trailing badly. They're a disaster. The New York Knicks, who won again last night on the road, uh, they had lost three in a row after a nine-game winning streak. So you could say, what is that, uh, 10 out of their last 13 they've won is still significant even throwing in the three consecutive losses where it looked like they were going south until of course they met the lakers uh, last night but uh, now trailing the uh six-seeded nicks by three and a half games no,
4: five-seeded Knicks.
0: oh five-seeded uh, trailing uh what Who, who's in the trailing six spot?
4: the nets by three and nets the yeah Knicks. look it all comes back to friday night's game. it's really annoying actually because or was a saturday night it might have been saturday night's game uh the game verse they had, they had Taking a game from the Cavs, and it was great. And then Saturday, because they played Friday, they beat the Cavs late. Jimmy Butler played out of his mind. And then Saturday, they played a back-to-back. Jimmy Butler played somehow better.
0: They lost to Orlando.
4: The Magic, they were losing the entire second half. Butler hits a three at the buzzer, gets them to overtime. And then in overtime, they were just a total disaster. And Butler literally left the floor. Before the game was even over, because he was so exasperated that it's lit. like bam out of Bayou has become a total waste of time in the last like three weeks. Like since he what happened, break.
0: he was like an MVP candidate there uh, not that long ago. He's, I don't know about MVP, but certainly team MVP. No,
4: he was finally maybe getting going to get his defensive player of the year award that he's deserved yeah. in the last three years, and he's falling off a cliff on both sides. Like it's not even just offense; his defense has been ass the last like three weeks. And Butler was so pissed because, and it sucked because that game was a perfect situation where. The Knicks had lost and the Nets didn't play. They could have actually gotten within two and two and a half games of both teams and losing that game sort of screwed them. And they're now firmly entrenched in that seven spot.
0: Yeah. You, you might say, at least at this point, uh, the Nets, uh, got the better of that deal for sure. Yes. As, uh, right you know, now, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, once again, uh, is out of action and this, uh, Malik, uh, bridges is, uh, is a hell of mind. a player. Yep. Yeah. He, he's been great. So, uh, you're looking at a legitimate guy that you can start to uh, focus and try and put some players around, uh, whereas, uh, unfortunately, and we know that uh, when Durant comes back, uh, you know, he, he probably will pick it right right up where he left off, which uh, he did. I mean, uh, seamlessly, uh, he goes out for Phoenix the first night, and, you know, in, in about 20 minutes throws down 23 points. It looks yep. great. Yep. And uh, my man, Devin Booker, who uh, still to this day, I I will never let you forget uh, how (laughs) highly recommending that we get Justice Winslow. The best is when people, you know, and and this is a very, I mean, kind and gentle local media here that we have in South Florida. But they were trying, people were trying to make the case that Justice Winslow actually was going to work out as a point guard. Remember that? When uh, he was playing some point guard and and, uh, because he wasn't awful, which he was at virtually every other position that he played. While he was with the Miami Heat, people started saying, oh, my God, can you believe it? They've they, they missed it all along. This guy was going to be the second coming of John Stockton. And you're like, no, he isn't. He sucks. <laughs> you can't be a total bricklayer and uh, and compete in in the NBA at this point. Very few guys uh, can actually function under those uh, capacities. Uh, all right. So uh, many things to talk about. We kind of mixed uh, a whole jumble of uh, stuff together here. Yes. But, uh, you know, j- just to take it uh, somewhat in order, uh, the, the blockbuster here. What was the Jalen Ramsey deal uh, for the uh, Miami Dolphins? Which, uh, I mean, I almost fell out of bed when I saw that. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking on a crawl going, wait a minute, man. The Dolphins made another move that looks like it makes perfect sense. What is happening here? And yet, and Ramsey, I mean, he's a dynamic player. There's no doubt about it. Uh, You know, people will look at his statistics from last year. Uh, He was giving up more more yards per attempt that was thrown his way. Uh, he had given up seven touchdowns, uh, supposedly. I mean, uh, well, we don't know exactly. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's a blown coverage there, Joe. What do you think? That's a
4: thing. Like, we don't know how We're, much uh, was him not getting help that he expected to get.
0: Troy Aikman uh, lauds the quarterback with praise, even though you could clearly see that the uh, safety and the cornerback had completely fucked things up. <laughs> Well, no fault there of Ramsey's. You know, I mean, uh, you know, as he crashed into the safety, who had uh, you know blanket <laughs> coverage on the guy who was being thrown to. All of a sudden, they uh, go down like uh, you know a, a four pin tripping out of seven, and uh, you know uh, the guy throws a touchdown pass. Yeah, that, that was a thing of beauty. I tell you what, what a genius play there drawn up by Andy Reid. <laughs> As if you could anticipate the two guys were going to trip over each other and leave his wide receiver wide open. But um, uh, any time you see Ramsey play, you're thinking, wow, I mean, wouldn't you want that guy on your team, yes. uh, Louie? Yes. You, no, you would have to that. say yes to that. Now, uh, statistically, I, I, I don't even think statistics a th- measure this. I, I think perceivably, uh, did we see a decline in Xavier and Howard, or was yes. that just all relatable to the fact that uh, – you know, the Miami Dolphins uh, were, were you know, exhibiting a lot of confusion on defense last
4: year. Well, they had a lot of injuries, and the injuries were in the secondary. Brandon Jones was actually playing good opposite safety to Javon Holland and got hurt in the first, like, three, four weeks. So they never found a safety to recover from that because he was like a third-string dude that actually rose up to play well. And then Byron Jones never played the entire year, their other yeah. high price guy. And Cater Kohu actually is an undrafted guy, played well enough where he's going to be their nickel guy but he was not a starting cornerback. So that right there put a lot of pressure on Howard. And then from what we know, Howard was dealing with, I think, a, a leg injury the entire year. And instead of sitting out, which really would have screwed the Dolphins, he played. So his numbers dropped off, but a lot of it wasn't on him. He was by himself in that freaking second. Look, Javon Holland, who everyone loved, didn't look that great last year either. And again, it wasn't him. <laughs> like when you're asking one safety to do two safeties jobs, it, catches up with you. And that's the thing about Ramsey for those that want to see Ramsey and Howard fell off. The reality is they're not going to play with each other. So it yeah. will allow both to do less work and play so much better.
0: I don't know that we want to get this deeply into this, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, does <laughs> every person, every human being deal with a tragic flaw? Okay, I mean, uh, you know, and and maybe you could uh, just take a look at this uh, and this is not to uh, cast any aspersions towards people that have, uh, you know, an alcohol addiction or any type of addiction, uh, you know, which a lot of people uh, at at one time assumed that I did. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm able to shake off a lot of addictions, uh, at least temporarily, you know, where where I can just drop it and, and, and then that's it. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, is, 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 does it always come back to uh, you know you, you're you're always going to be vulnerable at, at your biggest weakness? Okay, uh, you know, no matter what you do uh, cosmetically to fix some of the other things in your life, and uh, maybe you become a wonderful person, you're successful at work, whatever, but uh, you're still drinking like a fish, and uh, it always comes back to haunt you. Uh, is that not the case with the Miami Dolphins that have uh, whatever this is? It's a constant. Uh, we, we've been talking about this forever. Holy Bob Kuchenberg. the Miami Dolphins offensive line. I mean, yeah, if that's, if that's yep. you know, I, I don't even think it's fair to call it an Achilles heel. It's worse than that, <laughs> right? And having, you know, anybody knows, I mean, you step off a curb the wrong way and your Achilles goes, and it's like, ah, holy Dan Marino, man, I can't walk. Honestly. It's awful. But, I mean, uh, no matter what they do uh, outside of uh, this offensive line, if they if they can't fix that. Which it doesn't look like, I mean, uh, they got one guy on the left side who's excellent, but he's got a blown tire. Yes. Uh, The guy on the right side uh, has been questionable, and he becomes a key guy. In fact, it's been a rotation of different stiffs. Uh, And, and, you know, with two, a left-handed quarterback who's uh, unfortunately got a marshmallow for a head. Uh, you know, and 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 that's once again we are, are you know not being disparaging to people that uh, have had unfortunate circumstances, but it does seem like the coconuts are a little soft, no?
4: It, it's, it, look, the thing that everyone's worried about is he doesn't get hit a lot, and he yeah. had three concussions or two and a possible third from regular exactly hits right. because he hits his head weird, and he's literally in jujitsu now to learn how to not hit his head weird. Yes, it is a problem. It is a major problem. And the funny thing is, getting Ramsey helps the defense. Now with Vic Fangio, that defense should be freaking scary. Uh, They still need a linebacker, and they need two offensive linemen. They need a right tackle, which actually is more important than a left tackle with a left-handed quarterback. And I I, I guess it's the left guard they need. They need a guard. And those two spots, look, and they need depth because Armstead's going to miss like four or five games. Like You just have to know he's going to. And that's that's where the rest of this money, they still have a lot of money and a lot of room. They need to shore up that offensive line. Like, that's got to be the priority after going and getting Ramsey.
0: All right. Well, uh, it was a blockbuster move there and uh, kind of eclipsed, uh, you know, uh, my immediate interest in, in any form of bracketology, which, um, you know, I, I, it's it's pin the tail on a donkey, is it not? Well, when it comes to trying to uh, pick some of these games? no. no. I always seem to at least catch enough of these tournament games to maybe have a couple of teams catch my eye mm-hmm. I, I don't know that anything really sticks out and I would imagine if you talk to 10 different so-called experts and you ask them uh, hey aside from the obvious that the favorites the number one seeds who you know who can we uh, who can we turn to to uh, try and salvage uh, you know some cash early in the tournament because, I mean, if you can anticipate one of these scores, uh, you know, a 12 versus 5 or a 13 versus a 4 uh, and uh, take a money line play, that, that would be the way to go. Yes. But, uh, you know, I, I would be a bad person to ask about this as evidenced by last week's absolutely catastrophic. <laughs> and, and I told this to Jim Sarney that the number one rule handicapping 101 is don't pick the losing team. Right. Don't pick a loser. You have a coin flip situation. One team has to win. One team has to lose. Correct? No matter what, whether you're factoring into points or not, one team has to win. One team has to lose. I know. I hear the people out there, hey, what about a push, Defoe? Yeah, be so quick to judge. We know what we're ta- Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. It's a 50-50 flip of a coin. Now, you know, obviously weighted by the fact that if you have – you know, uh, some uh, horrible team that that's going up, you know, in, in the case of, uh, you know, an overmatched uh, situation like Houston going against. Uh, what is that? A community college that they're playing in the first round. Oh God, I... <laughs> Houston in the Midwest, uh, the number one seed there, same bracket as the Hurricanes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I saw like CC at the end of uh, like a hyphenated. It was like Gardner slash Web community college. I believe. <laughs> Jesus. They couldn't have found a more rinky dink opponent. Uh, for uh, and uh, but but I mean, if you can sniff this out and you actually have like a feeling about it, I mean, you can make yourself a nice score there and forget about you know being in the office pool or trying to capture uh, you know the essence of the whole tournament because uh th- this is uh, literally uh, one of those uh, seasons and and almost everyone has been right. You had a number eight seed in North Carolina that was in the in a championship game with like a fifteen point lead. Yep. Before the uh, El Chocoometer, uh, you know, started pinning into the red there, and and they managed to blow that game last year. Yep. And and they they also uh, are they are they the first ever preseason number one not to make the tournament the following year?
4: I, I I'm I'm scared to say. I mean that ever, same year. But they definitely preseason they, number one it's missed It's rare. <laughs> Usually, you at least make the tournament.
0: Yeah. How about snubbing the NIT, man? Is that an insult to basketball that that you say, yes. you know what, uh, we didn't make the big uh, party here, so uh, you know what, fuck you, we're not playing in your ah. rinky-dink secondary tournament.
4: Look, it's like the bowls, even when it's a schmink Bowl. Yeah. Any play is a good thing for a team. You want to get the kids out there, and you yeah. want to play.
0: Wouldn't you want to have more practice time yes. and uh, whatever? A 100%. So why Why would you want to shut your program down at that point?
4: And you make money, and anything you do, you make money. Like, I think it's dumb. I. I uh, uh, who's that uh, proud? You, you didn't make the tournament because you didn't make the yeah. tournament. <laughs> like, what is it? A punishment to the kids? They're not going to learn anything.
0: Aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they supposed to be out there enjoying playing basketball? Yeah,
4: like I, I don't. That's weird.
0: You would want to be in any game, right? You would lose the big game. I, I often talk about those games that we referenced with Jim Larinaga, which uh, I was trying to explain in a Mustang. Our relationship with Laranega was largely based on the fact that uh, it turned out that I had been in games with uh, his high school arch rival. Uh, Eddie Malloy, an obscure player who uh, happened to be out there uh, at these uh, games we played in uh, Merrick, New York, Merrick Road Park. And, uh, you know, his team was uh, Dick McGuire, Dr. J, Eddie Malloy, three-man team. No one was beating them. Dr. J, a a 16-year-old Dr. J. So, uh, you know, they would win. And, uh, you know, you'd lose your game. And, and, you know, you'd realize, hey, I didn't come out here to run uh, one game, get blown off the court, even though, you know, we gave it a try there against the Doc and uh, Eddie Malloy and McGuire. Uh, and then you would go down the other end of the court. You couldn't wait to get in another game, right, Luby? Yep. I mean, you, you weren't going to sit around. It didn't matter. Okay, so maybe this game wasn't uh, as great competitively and didn't have, uh, you know, the same kind of level of prestige, but didn't you just want to play? Yes. Uh, and I, I would think any college coach would want to go for that. Uh, I don't know what Hubert Davis is thinking of the AD there. Oh, the but, Carolina uh, turned down.
4: Go- oh, Carolina turned down. Oh, God.
0: North Carolina, they they said, uh, you know, uh, we're not playing in your stinking NIT. Forget I about it. I
4: understand. There's this. What is it, the NAIA? There's a third one and there's a fourth one. Fine. You don't want to no. do those. Fine. But the NIT is big enough. They play the semis in Vegas. They play. They used to play in New York. They do. It gets enough attention. Where why wouldn't you at least go out there and let you guys get it some more? Well, you action.
0: would think you would just want to keep running, right? I mean, uh, they're always bitching. Yeah, you know, they limited practice so yeah, we exactly. weren't able to get our layup drill in. You know, and uh, you're thinking. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a player, you you want to go out there and play, especially. I mean, a college player doesn't want to play any more games. You got to be kidding me. Uh, even in a field where uh, you know, in a field where you have to figure, okay, you have a leg up on the competition because yeah. you were knocking on the door of being in the big one. Yep. All right, we're gonna come back. Uh, Jason Cole's gonna join us, and Brett yes, to the agent of the stars, and then we'll be with you till nine o'clock here on the Defoe Show. Uh, certainly a lot on the plate there. Uh, uh, Mike Mayo and uh, a lunchbox at twelve o'clock today. And uh, Mayo says that that movie uh, basically was uh, kind of following his dietary habits. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. Very g- <laughs> probably the best line he's come up with. I mean, uh, you know, but he does have those writing instincts, of course, as, uh, you yeah. know, a longtime food critic for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. And now, I mean, just a monster superstar. 100%. You see what's happening in the Mayo sandwich at Wicked Cheese Steaks? Selling, selling out, out every day. <laughs> every day, man. A guy can't get enough pork in here, man. <laughs> he's got guys just lined up bringing whole pigs live i think it's right so into the back door there health department's looking at it going uh yeah no nope, you're in compliance no problem but uh and uh, all he does is he mentions mayo na- mayo's name and they say i understand things are sensation all right uh coming back with jason cole in a moment now that 726
3: Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family. Good for a date or just a night out for yourself. And prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we
5: go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at Mile Marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at Mile Marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. This comes from the great Depot Lama.
0: It's the bets you don't make, the chances you don't take that can compromise an otherwise incredible life, my friend.
4: The only way to get your morning started is with Defo, joined by Luby, right here on The Defoe Show.
0: All right, welcome back to the show. A lot of activity over the weekend, including, uh, naturally, a uh, big focus. Uh, they do it every year during the offseason, become a focal point, regardless of what's going on around the world of sport, the National Football League. And uh, to uh, help us answer the question, of, uh, you know, what is sort of right now a working title for, uh, Chris Greer's body of work, the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. And that is, how many blockbuster deals can you make and still be mediocre? <laughs> we welcome to show our outstanding NFL analyst, longtime friend of the program here, the great Jason Cole. Jason, how are you, my friend?
6: I am fantastic. What's going on?
0: What isn't going on? I mean, we have Aaron Rodgers coming out of the darkness. Uh, we have the Bears trading the number one pick. Uh, we don't know uh, who's going to actually, uh, you know, be that selection. And uh, yeah Carolina looking for, obviously, a quarterback. And, and you have two guys that are supposedly neck and neck. And then, I mean, as, as I'm uh, falling asleep uh, thinking, well, what are we going to talk about? Because I know nothing about this movie that won the Oscar for Best Picture. Um, you know, I, I, see on a crawl that the Dolphins got Jalen Ramsey. I'm like, wow. I mean, uh, another blockbuster, uh, deal made by the Miami Dolphins in an effort to be good. Uh, uh, did they, did they fix their problems here? They have now Fangio as a defensive coordinator, well respected and, uh, added in a cornerback who, even though statistically people are saying he tailed off a little bit like the X-Men, still, uh, you know, I mean, looks to me to be pretty formidable. Um, uh, well, what did you think of what transpired there?
6: Well, I thought the value on the deal in terms of what they gave up to get him was was certainly good you know a third round pick and you know a guy a guy who hasn't played much at tight end or a guy with you know who has played great and you know all those things this is a good deal from that perspective. The amount of money they're paying him in terms of the cap is somewhat problematic um that does rid you of some problems you had in the back end. If you wanted to get rid of some personalities, but you know, let's just say this: Jalen Ramsey is, and we've talked about it before in the show, a pretty big personality himself. Um, yes. So, I'm I'm fascinated by this trade from the, all of those perspectives. I think it was a necessary trade. I mean, who he's going to get? Who's going to cover? Guys like Wilson and and Diggs around around your division a couple times um, a year. Presumably the Patriots will eventually get a wide receiver um, who's at least halfway decent um, at some you know at some point in time. You know I like this move that way. The only hesitation I have on it is you dedicate a lot of money to this guy, uh, and you better be sure his ability is there. I have a hard time judging cornerbacks who play on teams that are not very good uh, because I don't think they get challenged much. I will say that a couple of times last year I saw him get challenged. He gave up some bigger plays than I expected, but I also think he was not very disciplined last year in the way that he played because they had to gamble a lot to try and get the ball. You know, like if they were going to compete at all, he was going to have to make some plays. And so they asked a lot of him, um, but there is, there is something there to saying his ability is in decline. But it's still, it is still, his ability is vast still, even though it's in decline.
0: Jason Cole, outkick dot com is where you find his work. Outstanding uh, NFL analyst. Well, well, it's interesting too because uh, you know you're looking at all of these uh, mathematical permutations and the numerology involved in teams addressing salary cap and then. You know, they'll take on, uh, you know, a quarterback that's making $60 million, but he only counts 1.8 against the cap. And I-, I can't figure it out. Who who devised this system? A bookmaker? I mean, uh, this is kind of like trying to calculate juice on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, does anybody it's, fully it's, it's, understand not, what goes on there, Jason?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the closest that any of the leagues have to a hard cap.
0: I mean, mm.
6: it's certainly, um, it's a lot easier to understand than a baseball system in which you have guys getting contracts that pay them through the age of 41 premium dollars because of, you know, you have to keep averages down. Um, so you're overpay on a long-term basis or a system where, you know, you have like 5th mid-level seventh, you know, seventh day of the advent, um, Exceptions. Um, I've never really quite understood <laughs> yeah. that in the NBA. I mean, the the NFL has a hard cap, you know, where the money that you have paid out counts, um, and the question is, who does it count for? Is this the team that paid, or the team that's about to pay? And in this case, you know, the Green Bay is going to take on uh, most of the money, and the question is, how long does it get? How long does that get prorated over? And it it just, there are hard dollars that count in the NFL and it's really not that complicated if you understand that basic fact. So, um, I, who devised it? Like it's in cooperation. You know, it's been around for 30 years. It's in cooperation where the players. But basically, the NFL. The, the NFL has a bunch of guys that they call capologists, who are you know football accountants who make sure the beans count. Because at the end of the day, I'll just say this: the owners win in this system. Oh yeah, no uh, doubt. And they win. And they win big.
0: Certainly appears that way. I mean, the, even yeah. the biggest buffoon of an owner is uh, cashing in, uh, you know, handsomely on uh, whatever investment they made, no matter how large it was or seemed to be. Uh, at the time. I, I believe uh, whoever his last team was L- is still L- playing. L- a,
6: Dan, let, let, let put yeah. it this way. Dan Snyder paid a billion dollars for right. the Washington then Redskins. Has been a buffoon as yep. an owner
0: yep. right.
6: for more than two decades, yep. closing in on three. One of the most awful human beings that you <laughs> could possibly imagine. Um, You know, just a bad business partner who's driven his local, his local income down by thirty-three percent, right? And he's going to make six and a half times his money. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: And it's not he's a gonna, small. He's gonna make- it's to yeah, be so. like
6: $6.5 billion. Oh dollars for that. Right. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. It's incredible. Uh, it really is. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, anytime uh, this subject came up when it was first being, uh, you know, the whole idea was being developed about salary caps and uh, limitations on players. Uh, you know, it, it always uh, off the ticket what was factoring in the escalation of value of the franchise, which yep. now... Yep. It's beyond exponential what these franchises uh, are worth. I mean, I remember when you thought, wow, that, that's a lot of money for an expansion team. Uh, when in 1988, not all that long ago, uh, they came into the league uh, at a tab of $50 million, which uh, was chump yeah. change to the Arisons. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I mean, what's that worth today? That's got to be in the $4 billion range also. And th- and that's rarely factored in. Uh, his last team is still paying Mini Minoso on a uh, baseball <laughs> yeah. salary, uh, even though... Not- he hasn't been with us for quite some time. You know, that, that's the way that works with the guaranteed money. Uh, all right, uh, let's get into this number one pick thing. Um, who's it going to be, in your opinion? And, uh, you know, uh, Carolina gave up a lot to uh, get into that spot. Uh, who who do you think really benefited there? Uh, if you need a quarterback and you feel like either uh, Stroud or uh, young is the man or uh, anybody else is Richardson has suddenly uh, caught fire in terms of attention, I can't see the Panthers spending a number one pick on him as a project, but uh, what did you make of the deal? And uh, what do you think is going to happen there?
6: I thought the deal was a fairly reasonable price to move from nine to one. Um, Still expensive, and I thought Chicago did okay. Um, I don't think that the market for Chicago was as robust as they were hoping it was going to be because there are four quarterbacks in this draft. Now, I don't... Richardson, I don't put in with the other three because Richardson is his own, um, is his own project. And I hope the kid makes it because, you know, frankly, he went to the same high school that both of my, my sons went to in the game. Oh, play. yeah. Yeah. So Eastside High School represents the Rams. Um, so, I mean, I, I really hope the kid makes it and everything I've ever heard about him. I don't know him personally, but everything I've ever heard about this kid is that he's an, he's an outstanding kid. And, you know, the things that you read about him, how he's taking care of his brother, you know. Yeah, he's, he's he's terrific. The problem is that he played half of his senior year at a fairly terrible high school program. Cause wow. I know that for a, for a fact. Didn't throw a lot of passes. Went to the University of Florida through less than 400 in-game passes um, during those three years at Florida, he just hasn't thrown the ball a lot. He hasn't had to read a whole lot of defenses. He hasn't had the, you know, he doesn't have experience in a pro style, you know, drop back, set it up, read it, let's go. I'm not saying that he can't do it, but you're expecting him to learn the game, the NFL at the NFL level. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, wow. Oh. You know, like you better have, and I, I say this, you better have two years set aside for this yep. kid to yes. probably sit and play. Not a, not a lot, you know, like just a, a handful of downs for him to to make it. Um, and there aren't many teams that are drafting that high in the draft who have two years to wait. Maybe Seattle because you've got, you know, Geno Smith and you can use him as a bridge and all these other things that we talk about. But, man, like, he's a project. So, to me, it comes down to, yeah, Levis. Levis didn't have the greatest senior year. And then you talked about the first two guys. So, ultimately, to answer your question, yeah, it's Stroud versus Young. And I got a hard time taking Young, you know, personally. And I think that Frank Reich is probably going to have a problem with it as well as a former quarterback, knowing the things that you have to deal with. He's going to have a problem taking, um, Bryce Young, number one, if he, you know, given that he's that small. But Bryce Young is the one who's better prepared based on experience and system. And the fact that he's probably thrown since his, Junior year in high school, where he threw probably 500 passes, 400 passes um, at a high-level program in Southern California. You now, um, at modern day, he's probably thrown <laughs> 2,000 passes um, in his in his career. compared that, you know, five times what Anthony Richardson's thrown, Psst. and played in pro-style offense at Alabama that's going to be really hard to turn away from. And especially when you look at C.J. Stroud, another kid who played in the pro style offense, at least in high school, and but also played in that Urban Meyer kind of quasi-offense in college where there's not a lot of reads involved. So this is tough. C.J. Stroud from a body type, and and if you're betting who's going to last longer in the NFL, Stroud is probably the guy. From a training and technique and readiness, it's Bryce Young. So it's a really, really tough call.
4: What seemed to not be a tough call, but it sort of lingered, is the Aaron Rodgers of the New York Jets. Like heading into the weekend, it felt like that was somewhat of a done deal. We haven't heard a lot of teams. Nothing's
6: ever (laughs) done to Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets, actually. The combination. I mean, you can have a a massive debate over how to cook an omelet with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, seriously. I mean, this is a guy who... I mean, he rethinks how to clip his toenails. I mean, it's just... I mean, come on. You know, Aaron's got to the point where he's so full of himself that... Like you had to go to some dark place cavern in southern Oregon, you know, to burn incense and you know, escape from the light for four days. I mean get out of here. <laughs> like you're not some you know, you're not a shaman, okay? You're really <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. You're doing, you got sixteen million dollars to play for you're gonna play. We all know it. Yeah. Sure. Okay, but it's all about you it's all about things that empower his ego. No, and he likes to see himself as different and above all everybody else. And he's, and he's just, he's full of it. And I mean, and I like him. I like him. Personally. I used to love him. <laughs> I, I like to no. watch him. I love to watch him play. He's, you know, but he thinks like he's above it all. And he thinks like he was above, you know, having to show up last off season. So they got into the same they got into the same exact predicament with Rogers at the end of his career as that they got into with Favre, I was say. who's a, a, you know, basically a mindless idiot. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> a bit and, unscrupulous, also you would have to say. Yeah, so so it seems.
6: Yeah. Unscrupulous, mindless idiot. Yeah. Like Brett Favre, they got to the exact same place with Rogers as they were with Favre at the end of their career. And they, you know, like the Packers have had enough. Now, the only thing that, in my mind, is is going on is the gamesmanship. Like Mark Murphy should have not open his mouth to say, basically, we want you out. Yep. Unless Mark Murphy was trying to play some some reverse psychology game to get him to come back, because part of this is, you know, Aaron wants to feel like he controls his own fate. And he wants to go against the grain. And if the grain is pushing him out of Green Bay, he's going to want to stay, just to be, Contrary. just to be a you know disagreeable human being. So yeah. to me, part of that is is he, is he going to be really truly disagreeable and push himself to stay, or is he going to you know take the out, go to the New York Jets, spend a year, maybe two years. Fighting with the New York media. I was gonna say, like, how can that work? It's not gonna work. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers thought that the Green Bay media was, (sighs) was tough. Yeah. I mean, where do you get a hold of what the Jets media?
0: (laughs) Especially uh, since they're uh, accustomed to sensing disaster and (laughs) impending doom. Uh, You know, uh, the wrestler Kevin uh, Sullivan was never the same after he went to the dark side, and uh, I I think some of this is happening to uh, Aaron Rodgers as well. But I will always have mad respect for Aaron Rodgers, uh, Jason. Cole, for uh, you know, getting in a car. Wherever he was living and having Danica Patrick drive, uh, I mean, you talk about taking a high risk—that would be it.
6: Well, man, the man has done some special things. (laughs) Definitely true. Look, again, he's—he's a fascinating—he's a fascinating football player, you know, by himself, and he's—and he's a really smart guy. Yep. He's not as smart as he thinks he is, and this is. You know, this is this is the thing that we all deal with, you know, especially in the late thirties when we start to kind of hit the you know the top of our career, we really become full of ourselves. He is max full of himself Um yeah. right now, like thinking, "Oh, I could have been a host of Jeopardy." No, you couldn't. You really, you really, <laughs> didn't, okay? and, you, and you certainly couldn't be a host of Jeopardy and play football together. Like that wasn't yeah. going to happen, okay? And to think that you can get by and just automatically walk on the field and have relationships with your wide receivers, and they're automatically going to go to the right place without you spending months working out with them and actually showing up to practice football. Like, it doesn't happen that way, dude. You're not magical, okay? Exactly. Um, despite the fact that you do think that you're a shaman,
0: excellent <laughs> <laughs> as always. Uh, Outkick.com is where you'll find him, uh, and uh, just a, a dominant force when it comes to NFL insider and uh, insider type of information oh, uh, right. and a tremendous analysis as always. Jason Cole, we can't thank you enough. Appreciate it.
6: Zach Thomas? Questions. What, what's going on here? We, oh, we is Zach that Thomas, the that, Hall of Famer.
4: That's true. We haven't had you on since we've had Zach, Zach Thomas, right? The Hall of yeah.
6: It was beautiful it was a beautiful thing it was good for him to get in you know, and for uh, patrick Willis to to politely say, Take my spot i don't i don't i'm not worried about it. It was a great thing that happened during the meeting, but yes, oh, congratulations really? to Zach. Sure. I didn't
0: oh, yeah. No, no, well well justified. And uh it couldn't be, uh, as you know, speaking of guys that are uh, gracious and, uh, you know, uh, amenable to uh, any kind of conversation with the media. A- anytime you run into Zach, uh, which I have a few times, uh, you know, since because uh, one of his favorite spots is a place called the Fish Shack in uh, Lighthouse Point, which was yep. literally a shack uh, until recently. And uh, Zach would be in there and he'd be, you know, happy to wait outside an hour, you know, with the rest of the crowd to get into this joint. And, um, you know, always a guy that makes you feel good every time that you see him. So uh, that, that was a feel-good story. Uh, Jason, uh, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, we'll talk thanks, to you again soon, I hope. They're good. Thanks, yep, thanks a lot. Jason Cole, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That was good. I was going to ask Jason. Uh, we kind of ran out of time there because, uh, you know, we have uh, the Brett Tesser, the agent of the stars, coming up here in just a minute. But uh, remember, I mean, when he was talking about Brett Favre and how bizarre he's come, uh, Louie? Uh, remember Kurt Schilling, and uh, this was uh, on the Indianapolis oh, the video Super Bowl Radio Row, where he was like dressed as a pirate and uh, he was about to take everybody down in Bernie Madoff type fashion, including himself and uh, all of his investors, uh, on uh, some, some scam, I guess, of a public company that uh, we, we don't know what level of awareness he had about the fact that uh, unfortunately there was no credibility there, and I believe. Uh, their only uh, foundation, what was a post office box, is somewhere outside of a white castle <laughs> that uh, <laughs> had been put in temporarily by the U.S. Uh, Postal Service. And that was it. Uh, all right, uh, going to come right back in a moment. Brett Tester, the agent of the star, is going to join us. And, of uh, course, he, he is very, very busy right now. A lot yes. of stuff going on, a lot of shit happening yes. in the NFL. So back with more in a moment. I would imagine his phone is ringing even as we speak. <laughs> Imagine, you know, it's like, uh, you know, some general manager from the Giants or something, uh, it, it's a Shane Cat, or, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, Luby calling. Who's calling are you going to pick up? Luby's, of course. Back with Brett Tester, the agent of the stars, in a moment. Now that. The time. 7.49. The ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at Beautiful, highly apart. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant And you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hi, apart.
3: Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services.
4: They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, raw bar and grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at
3: home. The simple pleasures of this job, the way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the field, the way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury. Less money, more attention, caring for them, caring for ourselves to the agent to the stars the one and only Brett Tesler
0: all right so it's about a year and a half ago uh, and welcome back to the show the Depot show here and appealing yourself off to Mad Monday so glad you tuned in here on South Florida live and our other outlets and platforms uh, for this program uh, Jeff DeForest uh, Mike Luby Lubitz uh, but I, I can uh, envision and, and uh, look back and just see almost uh, with uh, uh, complete clarity uh, staring at the phone, uh, the uh, last words that we spoke on a Tuesday show had barely hit the airwaves with the seven-second delay that the station was uh, transmitting with. And uh, the phone rings. It's a program director. And uh, I realized this could not be a favorable telephone call. All right. Uh, There is no reason for this woman to be calling me who barely spoke to me in the 10 plus years, almost uh, 12 years that we were at the radio station. She was there for most of them. So I I know that's going to be a call. We're going in another direction. And just curious how this is received as we welcome to the show, The Agent of the Stars. Uh, A call comes, Brett uh, from, uh, you know, a team uh, that you have a client on and you're thinking, you know, this is about a restructuring of a contract. Are you already ready to fire right back with, uh,
1: "Hey Joe, are you kidding me?"
0: Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Brett Tusser. uh <laughs> Good to have you on the program.
1: Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. Good morning. How
0: does that go in general? Is uh, the restructuring of a contract uh, usually favorable or uh, negatory in terms of uh, you know the player benefiting?
1: Well, it depends on the player and depends on the situation. If a team's restructuring because they feel like the player uh, has a salary coming that is more than they're willing to pay, then it's never a pleasant thing to have to deal with. Uh, In those situations, the agent has to know ahead of time what's likely to happen with his existing team and to reach out to some other teams to kind of have an idea what they value the player at. So you can then make a decision whether to accept um, your current team's renegotiation at a lower number if you know that you're still not going to do better elsewhere. Uh, Otherwise, if you know that there's going to be a good market for them elsewhere, uh, you tell your team that you're just, you know, perfectly content to stay with the deal you have. And uh, if they decide to let them go, then you move on. Uh, If it's a case where it's a player who um, is a good player on a team that they have no intention of moving on from, they just need to restructure to clear cap space, it's always a good thing because it just converts future dollars into uh, a bonus, either assigning a signing or roster bonus. And so uh, that ends up putting more money uh, in a player's pocket sooner. So that's always a good thing. So it uh, kind of cuts both ways, but um, definitely a busy time of the uh, year for sure.
4: Well, and it's interesting because I hadn't thought about it from the player perspective, but usually we've talked with you for years now, it seems whenever the team or the player wants something, there's contention on one side. Usually it's not, yeah, okay, but it seems like we've seen a lot of, especially the Dolphins, a lot of restructuring, and it happened before we had even heard of it. And it's never that quickly handled. So when Devo asked, it it sort of hit a nerve to me. I'm like, oh, it must not be bad because players take it. (laughs) Like all these players, Tyreek Hill just signed a deal last year and is already restructuring like it seems like especially if you're a high-profile player it's not a bad thing and what you just said makes a lot of sense if you can have the money now why not
1: that's basically what the restructure is as it relates to guys like Tyreek or Bradley Chubb guys who are under contract who um, the team has recently made a huge investment in and you know our, our players that the team's counting on moving forward so basically it's you know a situation where I could pay you $10 a day for the next five days, or I could pay you uh, $30 today and then 5 5 5 5 So that's basically uh, how it works with these guys. And in many cases, the contracts already have it uh, defined that the, the club has the option to restructure on their own. And so it's something where the player just sits back, receives a fat check in the form of a bonus, and uh, I don't think anybody would complain about that.
0: Hey, a lot of people in our listening audience can relate because uh, I've done any number of uh, negotiations involving a restructuring, especially with our good friend Vito. Remember where we were <laughs> going to pay the guy like a dime a month, but we didn't have it. So then later on, it was like 500 for uh, six extra months uh, when you factored in the juice. Uh, all right. I, I know you have to run here in a couple of minutes, but uh, what do you think about the uh, Ramsey deal and the Miami Dolphins?
1: You know, the Dolphins are always very aggressive this time of the year, whether it be with, uh, unrestricted free agents like Mike Wallace or Andalik and Sue or some of the other guys they've picked up here over the last, you know, you know, over recent history. Um, and clearly Jalen Ramsey is a very, very highly paid, uh, corner, very talented guy, a guy who at different times over the last, you know, three, four, five years you can consider one of the top in the league. So um, they're obviously trying to give Vic Fangio everything he needs on that defense um, because obviously this team has more than uh, uh, enough talent on the offensive side. So I think they're trying to balance things out a little bit and uh, I'll be very interested to see how they approach the offensive line here in the coming days. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that's an area that, uh Uh, They'll probably be looking to add some guys. So, uh, you know, as far as the pickup itself, it's something that fans can be excited about. Uh, a player that's just won a Super Bowl in the last couple of years. And so, uh, you know, if Xavier Howard on the other side uh, gets back to his form uh, that he's been for most of his career and uh, if Ramsey plays at the level he's capable of, I think you could safely say that uh, this could be the best Corner tandem—the team has had since the days of uh, Madison and Sertan.
0: Uh, did Did you trademark uh, that that phrase that you use uh, whenever uh, you know a, a GM says, "Hey, hey, what do you want for your player"? Because uh, you could make a fortune on it uh, if you had. Uh, and that was everything, uh, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, it would be a fair demand, I, I would imagine. Uh, Brent, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Sorry uh, we, we, uh, you know, we're, we're up against uh, what probably is a very important telephone call for you or uh, meeting. But uh, thanks so much for being with us. Always a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Yeah, it's always good to be with you guys. And hopefully next week I will have some uh, good news to share. As it relates to a client or two, uh, maybe something going on down here. So uh, stay tuned. All right. Oh, Oh, very good. That was an excellent teaser. That is. (laughs) Right? (laughs) right, Thanks for that.
0: People are going to be tuning in next Monday here uh, to the Defoe show for the latest information as to what's going on there.
4: Is a free agent, and the Dolphins have not signed him yet, and there hasn't been any movement, but uh, he wants to be here from what we know, and uh, McDaniel wants him. So it feels yeah. like that's something that is inevitable. We'll see.
0: All right. I mean, this may be uh, also an oncoming sign of senility here. Okay. But, uh, you know, I I was always, I thought, very good at math because of being a degenerate. And degenerate math, well, we would have aced uh, the SATs if the mathematical, uh, you know, questions related at all to uh, trying to figure out odds and probability and things like that, use payments, uh you know, if the juice is calculated by the week as opposed to uh, by the month, uh, or, you know, you're you're getting a bank loan as opposed to a loan from a loan shark. Uh, These are the kind of questions that that we're more than able to, uh, you know, uh, deduce and uh, come up with the right answer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you have to wonder how the hell they came up with these mathematical systems uh, in the National Football League. And, 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 you know, a guy like uh, Brett Tesler, I mean, you have to be able to comprehend this stuff. Can, can, can you figure it out, Libby? I'm no good at this type of math there where, where they start talking about these restructuring deals and you're wondering what, what, what are we uh, you know, considering here? Uh, you know, where a guy you know makes $60 million but he only counts 1.8 against the cap.
4: I guess if you pay, you, when you revert it to a bonus, you're, it, you're not taking the risk, right? Like in the NFL, contracts aren't guaranteed. So if you have it in a contract, you can cut them, have that money not count, and not pay them. Now you've paid them. It won't count in the cap. But yeah. now if they go and get hurt, you've paid them $30 million to be hurt, which is something the other sports deal with, but the NFL hasn't so much.
0: Who, who was consulting on this, uh, you know, on the side of the owners? Uh, obviously, it was either Don King or Vince McMahon <laughs> that came up with this system where uh, you sign a contract, but it means nothing. Yeah. In uh, yeah. the long run, because, uh, you know, I mean, and, and maybe it turns out, I, I guess, you know, with whatever negotiations have taken place over the years where, you know, the players union in the NFL was always considered to be the weakest by far.
4: Yeah, it's And you were
0: asking yourself, uh, you know, how did these uh, these people that, that seem so, you know, uh, you know, demonstratively forceful uh, turn out to be so meek and timid when it came down to uh, negotiating on behalf of the players? They were always uh, seemingly getting crushed by the owners in virtually all decisions. So you would have to say that that is uh, more than balanced out now. Because did you detect the tone? I mean, uh, it has to be far different. All of this for Brett Tesser from the time that uh, he was living in a one-bedroom uh, rental apartment and uh, you know had Trent Gamble as his only player uh, back in the day, and that wasn't that long ago—twenty years ago. So uh, built himself uh, quite a uh, dynastic career and i, I how, how do you understand all of this stuff Louie? i it would it would be very tough i think to get a grasp on the mathematics of, of uh, you know whatever these things were if you were negotiating on behalf of a player no
4: i was confused by all of it but your question and brett's answer actually cleared up a lot i, I because a lot of the time when organizations used to bring up things to players, players would run in the other way. And the fact that all this no. stuff was just automatically happening and all the players seemed happy about it, I was like, that's fucking weird. Like, yes. When did they get so buddy-buddy? And that, I didn't realize it's them. They're talking. running
0: into the GM's office going, yeah, yeah let's hey, let's tear up that last deal, man. And Because uh, it's cash now, right? Yes. Uh, what is that advertisement? Uh, they have a jingle that unfortunately uh. haunts a lot of people, although I can't. I can't remember the name of the place. Uh, whatever it, it is, Web- uh, what they're saying. What is it? Mr. something. Uh, we'll give you money now, right? Whatever that is, where they're going to pay you off if you have, uh, you know, some kind of annuity working. You were fortunate enough to uh, be in line for a, a, a trust fund payment or whatever. but uh, or, or you have an accident settlement where they were supposed to give you time payments and, and you decide you want to cash in everything now. Yeah. You need money now. What is that uh, thing?
4: Yes, I'm trying to find it. The problem is every there's like a million different schemes that do that, so I can't find that exact thing. I know you're talking about the commercial.
0: Yeah, their disclaimer is <laughs> harder to decipher than, uh, you know. I mean, going way back to Carlo Lotz was when they were selling a TV. Cash Call, I guess, would be another one. I was
4: going to say, that's what I think.
0: And then uh, anything that Tom Selleck is hawking has a disclaimer that is uh, impossible. I mean, there, there was no way. Can, can you imagine? Uh, I- even uh, the most talented of speed readers could never have come up with the uh, thing. Thought, oh, yeah, I fully understand what it is that they're claiming. And, and that is uh, that uh, this is absolutely bogus. This is the worst thing that you could possibly sign on for uh, in the in history of math and, uh, you know, favorable cash flow. And uh, sure enough, boom, there it is, right? No wonder it's so easy to get. But that, that used to be the thing about uh, these renegotiations. It, it was a horror show, and I guess yeah, you would much rather have the cash now. Yes. Especially if you're talking about the kind of money that's uh, available there in the NFL. Well, and it's the NFL right, uh, too, uh, so yeah. you,
4: they, they can cut contracts so easily. Now they can cut you and you don't give a shit because you got paid. So you don't care yeah. if they cut you.
0: You're happy, right? Uh, and then I always love it when the guys do like a $40 million bonus uh, by, uh, you know, March 11th. And they magically are cut. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somehow at the last second, it's like, uh, oh, by the way, we cut this guy. <laughs> Holy Derek Carr, right? One minute they're telling you this is, uh, but you know what, he is the franchise right now, and we're counting on him, and we, it's up to us to surround him with the right players and the right system the right coaching staff to suit his style. Everybody's always, uh, you know, I mean, really, it's true. Sarah Huckabee Sanders should have been the PR uh, <laughs> agent for, for virtually uh, every franchise that has been falling on its face <laughs> forever. All right, uh, many things to talk about here, and we still have uh, about an hour to go, so we'll be with you until 9 o'clock today. Uh, Mike Mayo's lunchbox at 12 o'clock. Wow, Mayo looked like he was eating again, like he was going in the chair. How does this man do it?
4: I don't know. I, I just,
0: How I- does he do it? Movie
4: just getting through some of the leftover from last week took me all week, and I, I we I did the Tom T. I don't know if you did Saturday. We went out to the. I, I didn't get a chance
0: experience. to get up there. I was going to, and uh, I was looking forward to it, and, and then it just uh, became uh, logistically prohibitive for me because I was heading up that way uh, later on uh, to go to the Funky Biscuit, which uh, was a suggestion uh, this particular show uh, of uh, a gentleman Cassell. who I met through Mike Mayo, the great Joe Casale. Very versatile guy, you know, was a sports agent for many years and all kinds of stuff and, and has a very distinct musical taste. So uh, I, I was heading right back in that same area, and I, I just couldn't do it twice in a short span because I also had to factor in a session at a local casino.
4: <laughs> I love you to say I had to factor in. Well, you, you, it was smart of you. Because I was
0: on fire on uh, Friday at the track, by the way. On well, fire. I
4: asked Tom T ahead of time because I had something pop up in the afternoon. Uh, I ended up spending some time with my nephews that I was like, shoot, if Tom T's only doing the afternoon, then the professor and I were going to go. And he said he was staying open until eight. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we get there oh, at wow, six. Wow. How was that? Yeah. I was going to say, because you could have gone on the way eating there, because that is sort of... I would have loved it. Yeah.
0: I, I would have eaten it in the car. That, that would have been uh, is, episode one of driving while dining.
4: I'm glad you didn't do it, because we got there at six thinking, okay, I didn't... That's two hours before they close. I didn't realize... He does the pop up thing, so only has so much food. Oh yeah, and he got hammered. I guess I don't know. Sold out. Eat, yeah. I don't know. By four o'clock, he said he was hit so hard that there was food for us, but we got the last of it. <laughs> like after we got
2: wow, our food, wow. there was nothing.
0: Yeah. So when he got scraping the uh, the the stuff that stuck to the pan, and you are saying it's so good. I'll yeah. take.
4: it. Yeah, I was. I was just. He got jambalaya. We got a moflette and something called a, a roast beef debris, and they were oh, yeah? spectacular. Nice. But everything else was gone. <laughs> and then everyone after us, a lot of people came right around. We came. It's like, yeah, we're out. We're out. So uh, wow. it worked out that you didn't to wave order. them off, huh? Yes. He literally was like just waving people
2: off.
0: Oh, good for Tommy T, man. Well-deserved. And it was all based around a crawfish, uh, crawfish boil. Yes. Which I'm not a crawfish guy, but I love this guy's other stuff so much. And then uh, uh, my daughter-in-law, the uh, lovely Kelly DeForest, uh, is uh, a huge fan. When I brought that uh, tray of lasagna to I think it was like the Thanksgiving dinner because I'm a big lasagna Thanksgiving guy. Yeah. I don't know why uh, that uh, appeals to me so much, but it does. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, you'd figure the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy would be enough, but why not just throw in a lasagna <laughs> while you're going in that direction? <laughs> it's mayo-esque, but, but, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at. And, and that crepe lasagna that he makes uh, is so exceptional, people, that, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it's almost too much to bypass, But which, you uh, I know... I, Voices in my head were saying, go up there, Defoe. Don't be a lazy slob. Go up there. But it did end up conflicting uh, with my casino time, which, uh, you know, (laughs) with apologies to Tom Tanazzini, the outstanding (laughs) chef. His food so approximates New Orleans, I I always say it saves you the trip.
4: Yeah.
0: You don't have to board a Spirit Airlines flight that's uh, often delayed. <laughs> in fact it's build is often delayed well they
4: say it. i i, when yeah. I, I was booking a flight to uh, i was trying to and i ended up not doing yeah. it literally it was spirit and they said often delayed often I said, delayed like, yeah it's like ended- uh, hey you
0: know what fuck you we don't care about time daylight savings we never heard of it
4: oh my god this plane you know was
0: going to be an hour late getting to the airport anyway
4: like before days before they know <laughs>
0: And this woman, I literally, I mean, I, I'm still pissed. I, you know, I, how many times have you been screaming, I'll never deal with Spirit Airlines ever again in my lifetime, and then the next time you book a flight because it's $9 to go where you're going? There you are, middle seat, Spirit out. I,
4: I was, I was gonna say, just don't bring a bag, because Shirley ended up flying Spirit. The ticket was mine, but wow. it, now carry-on's like seventy, and then the checking is like fifty. So it's you might as well fly the other airline in the end. Like it's ridiculous. That's it.
0: Yeah, and, and then they do the Don King Wayne thing where they yep. put their uh, foot on the scale <laughs> for the opponent, and it's like all of a sudden he's one fifty-six, even though he just weighed himself that morning at one forty-nine and had like one grape. I've seen this. I, I've been with boxers at weigh-ins, and then you see, uh, okay, the guy has to go shed two pounds in the next hour, or, you know, his manager's going to have to hand half of his meager payday over to the other guy so they can go ahead and still have the fight, right? You talk about negotiations that are handled under pressure. How about someone else? Yeah, you guys, two pounds over. I want $100,000 a pound if he comes back and still weighs over the limit. <laughs> and then, like, uh, you know, the uh, boxing sanctioning bodies get involved. Oh, my God, he's disqualified. It's crazy stuff. But the the spirit bag, I I believe, also is weighed in under the same conceptual guidelines. What do you think, Luby? Because we have a bag that that we always bring. Mustang packs it uh, the same way. Usually includes like uh, two bottles of wine, which uh, doesn't necessarily enhance your chances of weighing in under the limit, does it? Two bottles of wine would be, what, about five pounds, Luby? Four, three? Has Mayo ever weighed two bottles of wine before consuming them? No, well, no. that's the
4: thing—is the way they always—it's <laughs> always like we've we've traveled with more before and had yeah. no problem. The bag's empty. Like, what are you talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it weighs in the same every other time, except this once when <laughs> when it happened to weigh one ounce over the limit there. And uh, you know, I, I'm just not inclined to open up the bag and pick out like a pair of Mustangs panties and go, uh, <laughs> okay, about now, as you're shoveling that in your pocket. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? It's like when your credit card is declined, you're online at the grocery store. I don't know what happened here at work <laughs> yesterday. I just bought gas. And the people in line are already furious about the slow pace with which this line is, uh, you know, proceeding, you know, and you're also sitting there with 11 items and a 10 item or less. And they're like, Can you believe this guy I don't even have a dime in his pocket? <laughs> That's a problem. Mo, hey Mo, somebody get this guy out of here. It's
4: usually not because you have no money, it's because the things aren't yeah. working, but it's the weirdest feeling like you feel like, Oh my god. Oh no,
0: <laughs> You're you feel like, like a real fool, don't you? And you have another credit card, Defoe?
4: <laughs> like I swear there was money there. Yeah. Like I know. Yeah, it. you take a
0: shell card, yeah. What else <laughs> do I have in my shell pocket? Card. Because now, yeah, I mean, you know, you, all, all you need is one credit card, and uh, you're done, right? Yeah. What else are you even carrying in your wallet? Not even a driver's license <laughs> at, at this stage. Who wants to be identified for who you actually are? <laughs> How about this daylight savings? I, I'm a fan of it. I, I don't believe that uh, you actually lose an hour's sleep unless you have somewhere to go, unless you have some purpose on that Sunday morning. Yes. Because you're sleeping the same amount of hours, it's just you woke up an hour later.
4: It's an hour later. I look, yeah. the fact that it's a Sunday sort of uh, you know mitigates a lot there was a small issues.
0: disorientation factor though I, I will say yesterday no it's just today. i don't know why i mean i think it was subliminal and uh, obviously uh, you know if you happen to be slightly bordering on being a complete basket case mentally <laughs> for some reason it's affecting you and why
4: why the the my issue was today was a i felt it because it's been getting lighter in the mornings so like even though it's six something, it's like light. Yeah. Cool.
0: Pitch black. Today yeah.
4: was real dark.
0: <laughs> I sure. was like, what the
4: hell's
2: going on?
0: I stumbled <laughs> out of the house like Chuck Wepner for the 15th <laughs> round against Ali. <laughs> uh, uh, literally. I mean, uh, you know, there was uh, complete ugliness. And, yeah, I stumbled out there, and uh, it, it was pitch black. Yes, that's so, the uh, only that was okay.
4: dilemma. But the rest of the day will be great, and it stays light longer, so you can yeah. do your walks and your tennis.
2: Which yeah, is
0: I walked outside, and uh, somebody mistook me for Diana Ian <laughs> 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 Jellyfish on my face and everything. All right, we're going to come back with more here. I, I want to tell you about Hylia Park. Uh, we yes. were kind of buzzing through that first hour of the program. Uh, we had uh, guests, uh, then, and Brett Tester was pressed for time, and, of course, we stepped all over his time. But, um, you know, we were enjoying talking with Jason Cole, and, um, you know, that's just the way it worked out. So our apologies to Brett. Because, uh, you know, there there is stuff that, uh, you know, to me, Uh, to me, is of great significance, my friends, in the world of sport. Uh, Including, and and does it not seem like on that Aaron Rodgers story that it is going to end up that he signs with the Jets? Does that not seem like a semi-inevitability?
4: It felt like it. I don't know what that'll happen over the weekend. And
0: Rick Pitino goes to St. John's, no?
4: Supposedly Texas Tech was after him, too. Oh, yeah. Is he really going to go south now? Like, does he want to go down to It's.
0: It would be so natural, though, for Pitino. I mean, what a great way to, uh, you know, his career, legacy, yeah. New that York. To somehow bring back like Karnasek-a-like uh, buzz and excitement to New York City and the St. John's program, even though uh, are they still playing some of their home games at, at this busted out high school gym, oh, also known in Queens as uh, Alumni Hall?
4: I mean, he's been in Iona, so it's not like it's worse than that. Whatever the hell I own Ione is in
0: New Rochelle, New York, which is a very ritzy area. Yeah, but
4: I don't, I assume there's, I, there's I knew
0: nothing here. about it until, uh, you know, my first college roommate was a guy named Don Duberstein, if you will. Don Duberstein here. And he was one of those guys, but he was from New Rochelle. And, uh, he was very upset that he was at Syracuse because he thought it was an inferior place for a person of his uh, level of societal status. And he, he transferred out after one semester there because he got into like Brown University or something. I don't know what it was, but he wanted to be in an Ivy League school. And Acuse was like, eh, what was Acuse? Like a community college by comparison, though. What do you think? Um, Don Duberstein? though. And uh, I I didn't realize how ritzy New Rochelle was. So uh, this is an area you would have to think, uh, you know, had, where do they play at Iona? I mean, uh, is it some kind of, uh, nothing could be as much of a dump by comparison uh, as a, you know, top college basketball program facility. Than Alumni Hall, uh, is that in Flushing, Queens, Alumni Hall?
4: Uh, I'll look now. I don't
2: know. It's
0: near uh, the most degenerate. I mean, uh, you could not go to a more decrepit. If you were in a degenerate cesspool, it would be the uh, Queens off-track bedding facility, which I've mentioned many times. uh, Scared me, I mean, half out of my wits. You talk about needing an intervention. You find yourself in there. Heart of where, the East where, Village
4: know. is that is that it or am I thinking about something else? what is it called? I don't know. Look, this is coming up for NYU. I don't think that's the same in uh, Alumni Hall. No, no, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> Alumni Hall.
4: Is that for St. John's? I mean, like
0: Alumni St. Hall. St. John's. I mean, uh, I remember going there and I was like, oh, wow, that this is not exactly uh, you know any kind of prestige place. And, and there, you know, was where I met the great Bob Shepard, a stadium announcer. I still never get over that moment, Luby. When I said, uh, you know, how much I admired his work. And he actually looks me in the eye and says, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that—that uh, that is uh, no fictitious story because the truth is often far more comedic than anything that you could fabricate. Would you agree with that?
4: A hundred percent. And yes, it's in uh, Queens, New York. And Andy, Mr. New York himself, s- says it's closer to Jamaica, Queens, than more
0: than. Fletcher, That's what I'm thinking. Yeah.
4: Which is not the ni- I-, I was in. I was there. When I went to New York a few times ago, I liked it, but it wasn't revitalized. <laughs> like it wasn't yes. like Harlem. <laughs> or
0: No, I mean, that's where I realized uh, <laughs> that if you run only and exclusively on the balls of your feet, balls of your feet, you never let the heel touch the ground. If you're sprinting, that uh, that is the way to do it. That uh, you can go from being a slow, fat, white kid to uh, somebody with a reasonable amount of uh, at least a burst of speed that can help you in any sports endeavor. And uh, enough sustained speed that uh, you are no longer considered a slow, fat, white kid, but are now, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, uh, maybe the fastest guy on the other team has to go ahead and, and deal with. And I learned that technique of running while running from the Sutphin Boulevard uh, subway station to the Jamaica-Queens-Long Island Railroad station because that was the only way to get home at night uh, with any relative ease uh, from my job at Chase Stadium as a kid. So a 16-year-old deep transformed, uh, I mean, literally from, from a slug, from a Tom Brady type 40 at the combine to uh, maybe looking like this uh, Anthony Richardson kid. <laughs> Which you only diminish. I mean, uh, you might be right about this, Louie, that the kid's uh, overall inaccuracy throwing a football. We got a nice explanation of that from uh, Jason Cole uh, when he was with us on the program here. saying that He hasn't thrown that many passes, Louie. Are you buying that? Yes,
4: I
2: but am. But a
0: two-year project. Two-year project. Can you afford to have this guy? Uh, uh, that was a good example. The Seahawks would be the place for him. No?
4: I think. School I, look, under
0: Pete Carroll? Yeah.
4: The guy's very raw. That's been my thing. He threw for 54%. That's horrendous. Yes. And he has all the physical tools, and that's fine. I'm not saying don't take but that's the problem is you don't take a flyer in the top ten. Like, taking a flyer is the second, third round, maybe late first. Yeah. When these, guys, when these teams draft in the, first, in the top ten, it's usually they need a quarterback now. So, it's hard. Outside of the Seahawks, if the Seahawks, but the problem is you just paid Geno all that money, you want to use these picks to get players that can help you now. You're not usually using this pick in the top ten to draft a guy for later. Like that's yeah. the only problem if you're the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, I remember that one year the Dolphins, uh, you know, the, the so-called narrative around the Dolphins draft was they don't need anybody.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah,
0: well. They drafted like Billy Milner. Remember that? And some other stiff uh, also uh, for the offensive line. And it uh, turned out to be two of the worst picks, horrendous picks in uh, Dolphins history, back-to-back. And and uh, they had a very mediocre season that year also. So uh, they did need help, and uh, they weren't able to, to get anybody. So uh, often that turns out to be a false narrative, Luby. I'll tell you something that's not false, and that's how people are winning jackpots at Hylia Park, Libby. What a beautiful place. I, I love going there. I absolutely uh, was inspired as, uh, once again, drove my car into the gate there on the clubhouse side. They got that beautiful entranceway, and then you realize uh, th- this is a step into paradise. Just from the standpoint of the uh, inherent beauty and, and the way the, the upkeep on the grounds. This Dennis Testa, how he wasn't doing the field at the Super Bowl, Libby. What is wrong with the NFL? I mean, are they just fueled by self-sabotage like a lot of us degenerate gamblers? This George Toma, obviously, the game has passed him by, man. This guy is Chuck Knoll. This is Don Shula. The game has passed these old geezers by. Yeah, Field was, uh, you know, literally like, uh, why do not they just go out and stage the Winter Classic there in the NHL? guys slipping, and sliding, and, uh, you know, the entire game, I mean, tarnished by the fact that the field was garbage. Uh, they shouldn't have Dennis Testa out there because, man, he has been taking immaculate care of the grounds, and I don't know how one man can undertake such a giant endeavor is to keep that place looking as immaculate as it is. When I was at Atlantis in the Bahamas, I couldn't believe that they would have, like, a crew of four guys just clipping one blade of grass you know, that, that was out of sync with the rest of the grounds. That's how it is at Hialeah. It's so beautiful. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And then the action is hot. Uh, whether you're playing poker in the poker room or whether you're playing the uh, dazzling array of, uh, Las Vegas style slot machines that they have there in the casino, all your other favorite uh, Vegas games are available. They got crafts, they have roulette and uh blackjack. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. And then the champion simulcasting room, a uh, big uh, events coming up in thoroughbred racing, right? We have, uh, Florida Derby down here and all of these big uh, final three-year-old prep races for the classics, uh, including the Kentucky Derby that first Saturday in May. Uh, Going to be a blast again this year, wide open. A um, whole lot of fun can be had in the Champion Salma casting room. We were there for the last Kentucky Derby, and that was fantastic. I mean, uh, wow, what a, what an atmosphere, would you say? I mean, oh, second no, only amazing. to being there, Luby, and you have been to a Derby, uh, so you know how exciting it, right, it can be. Yeah, it's great for a Derby. Unbelievable, yeah, the uh, people at Hialeah Park. Check it out for yourself. We love them. Uh, We uh, thank them for uh, always their continued and loyal support of uh, any program that we're doing. As uh, You know, we're we're telling people there, oh no, 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 you see, we're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Louie, thank God you came up with those Twitter numbers, man, uh, you know, with uh, Five Reasons Sports Network, where we now also have on display uh, Defo on 5. And I, I do want—I I want you to work your name into the end uh, of the title there. Let right, well, if that's okay I, with you.
4: It's fine. I don't really worry about it.
0: All right. I want to find All right. We'll us. get into uh, this. I mean, uh, talk about degenerate uh, propositions. Uh, how much of an indicator? I, I'm a little superstitious. Like uh, I always walk on this one side of the pole in my walk of life. <laughs> if I've been on a little bit of a steady roll of luck, okay. And, and then uh, when do you switch it up and try the other side?
4: I, I don't know. I'm very awesome. How much of
0: a pounding do you have to take? How much of an indicator <laughs> do you have to get from the gods of gambling that you are ice fucking cold, <laughs> or about to experience a streak that uh, you know is going to be a, a burial if you continue to bet in the denominations that you have been, or maybe even up your game because of late, it's been going well, but I, I have to think it's about to end just based on a f- coin flip choice: Rory McIlroy or Scotty Scheffler. In the Tournament Players' Championship. Now, this was in a pool that I probably would have lost anyway, even though Scheffler won the tournament, at 18 under par. But with one pick, one pick, Luby, I was off by 32 strokes. (laughs) McElroy's final total with the six added to his uh, already atrocious uh, plus eight for two rounds uh, for missing the cut. Three shots each day over par. Was a total of plus 14 versus the minus 18 you could have had with Scotty Scheffler. Now, and I mentioned this to Mike Mayo in a text exchange. Or no, Jim Sarney was asking me about something related to action. And I said, the number one thing, the number one thing is pick the right team. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Handicapping 101, pick the winner. Yes. And then, you know, I don't know that we have enough expertise yet. Is there a game? And we'll get into this in the next segment. Is there a game that that uh, jumps off the page at you from the early glancing of the brackets? I mean, one that that it was just screaming your name, Lou B, Lou B. Well, I
4: would want it from an I would want it from an upset standpoint. And yes, of course.
0: You want a money line special Man. here?
4: Yeah, I don't know enough That's- to run for any of the upsets. I,
0: I mean, got- where, where it's just screaming at you, saying, "Hey, this is it. This is it." Now, we've had some indicators on the Drake-Miami game, which, uh, you know, kind of, I mean, this is only one guy's opinion, but would make you think, but the Canes kind of, you know, showing a vulnerability that uh, led me to believe that they were going to lose to Duke, who was rising at the time. And I think, uh, because, do you think that's a Coach K bias with the professor? Because he's an astute college basketball observer. Could you not see that the two teams were kind of trending in a different direction before the Duke-Miami game, in spite of the fact... Miami hammered Duke in their last meeting.
4: The the Oneira or whatever, the, their big man going down the first two minutes had a big effect on that game. It's not like yes. UM lost by 30. So you would think, like, you couldn't predict for that. Like, if no. he had played, it feels like Miami would have won. But...
0: What's this guy, status going into the straight game?
4: It's looking like he may... He may not miss the entire tournament, but from what it seems, he's going to miss the first game. And he, oh, well, yeah, miss the good. entire tournament. Yeah. So that's the problem is Duke was on a high. Miami had slowed down a bit, and then that injury happened. So I, I I feel like they were a lot closer than the professor was willing to say, but I don't think Duke had surpassed him in the way that that game went. That injury took a toll on them, and I'm trying to set up uh, Coach Lernaga because, to me, I understand they've never had bigs. Like, they're not known for their bigs. But that yeah. one legit big that rebounds and then no one else, that's not good. Like people get hurt. And no. That's crazy to me They he's like Lerner. They interviewed him at half. That was when you and I texted back and forth, and Lerner said it, and that's what scared me. Was yeah, losing him was bad. It's like okay, that was honest. He's like yeah, we don't have anyone else. <laughs> it's like we're gonna try. Uh, I was
2: like
0: he was up against honest. it anyway, right? Uh, you know the natural Duke bias of all officials. I I don't know if there was any uh, egregious-looking differential in a number of free throws taken, but uh, one segment of the game that I caught, uh, the uh, Blue Devils clearly knock a ball out of bounds. And there's no review, uh, there's no discussion, and uh, it goes back to them. And then uh, what what should have been, uh, this is all in the same sequence, a span of about 10, 15 seconds. Uh, Isaiah Wong makes a perfectly good uh, block and, uh, you know, enough of a grasp on the basketball to a call for a jump ball. Now, I, I don't know which way the possession arrow is going to go, but they instead call Wong for a foul. Oh, and, uh, you know, it, it was clear that it was, uh, I mean, literally, you talk about all ball. And that was a big argument in the park, right? You hear that yep, swack, yep, that that, yep. that f- flap. <laughs> whatever, thwack, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, and the hand part of the ball. That, that was always an unsolved argument. Yep. Was the hand actually part of the ball yes. in those situations? It was supposed to be. <laughs> by what? By what rule? I mean, is that by written rule or is that by recreational uh, park? Uh, you know, you're you're at Rucker Park. No, no, hand is part of the ball. How long do people argue about that, man? Oh my it's like catch or not a catch in the NFL now. <laughs> where you had to have like a Pereira come in and decide the issue for you. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it was like three straight screw job calls. I thought by the officials, completely blown. And, uh, you know, no Niga, I don't know how he does it. He maintains the epitome of cool, does he not? He stays calm, which I, I feel
4: like is impressive. Most guys are not as calm. Uh, he's never up or down. He's always in the
0: middle. No. He does seem to be a guy that just says, hey, uh, you know, le- like, uh, you know, this la- saying goes in uh, racing, uh, turn the page and move on after yes. you lose a race. Don't sit there, belly like I had the two? <laughs> Why are people always crying about the two well, when they start crying to you about their tickets? Hey, I didn't have the two. It's like, hey, shit, that. <laughs> no one wants to hear about your losers. Okay. Uh, uh, Drake, though, uh, upset, upset, uh, inclined. There are signs, small signs from the Gods of Gambling movie to uh, unload on uh, Drake. What, what, what is Drake's nickname? I don't even know. The cakes? What are they? <laughs> I
4: don't think they're the cakes. No, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Drake. I don't the only know. Drake I was familiar with uh, was Lieutenant Paul Drake, who, of course, was the uh, you know guy in the Perry Mason episodes who uh, always came in at the last second Drake with a Bulldogs. piece of evidence. The, sorry, What's the that?
4: Drake, the Drake Bulldogs.
0: Well, I mean, if the information that we got uh, from uh, Coach Spinelli here uh, on our uh, show last Friday is of any value, Drake is a team to watch in this tournament, and the Hurricanes do seem... Now, now think about this. They they lose their leading rebounder, and this kid was terrific. He was uh, the kid out of the transfer uh, portal that, uh, you know, uh, suddenly solidified the Hurricanes up front. Yep. And uh, was their only big presence, as you said. Uh, You're getting uh, slaughtered on the boards. That doesn't help. See? We know our basketball. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, no, if you're getting destroyed on the glass – I mean, you don't have to be Jay Billis to figure that out. Uh, that That's going to be a negative factor in, in a ball game, And uh, it did seem like uh, Duke was uh, gathering an inordinate number of rebounds in that game. I, I don't know. I didn't see the final stats. But um, it, it could not have been favorable for the Hurricanes. Would you agree with that, yeah, Mike? They
4: them. No, they No, I mean, they did. They, that, that was a big reason to why they eventually pulled away. It was close until the midway through the second half, and then eventually Miami just couldn't hang with them, like – that was a defla- that injury, and I guess the refs weren't perfect. I don't know. I didn't. No, did I mean year? I'm
0: not sure it was unbalanced, but in this one particular segment, uh, there were two calls that I, I thought just uh, were, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, blown uh, against the Heritage. That
4: injury sucks because I felt like they probably could have beaten Duke there, and they would have been like a two or a three seed if they could have gone to the finals and then won the ACC. And so now they're a fifth seed against a Drake team that a lot of people, I guess, are talking about. Which is, I don't know it's, if it's
0: a lot of people, but about the one guy we have. Well, supposedly
4: like Seth Davis. I mean, Cerny's saying it, and if Seth oh, Davis yeah? is saying it, that means multiple people.
0: Are I, I haven't it. seen Drake at all, so I would not I be able either, to make a I'm call. About. But, uh, you know, the signs.
2: Champagne
0: you know, beer. as you try to beat the cleaning lady once uh, and for all, you just uh, snap her back into the reality that she knows nothing about basketball, and you do. Uh, the 12 versus 5 is always a spot, I mean, in all four brackets to look at and go, possibly and in all likelihood one of these 12 teams at least if not two are going to beat the five seed and upset and shock and shake up the world my friends it's muhammad ali city on that uh and it's not that big of a surprise anymore that's the other thing i love when the chalk players are just eating it in the first round of the tournament don't you that's my other favorite aspect Where the, uh, I mean, and who is really, uh, are there enough qualified college basketball experts in this town, Luby, to make you think that, uh, you know, any prediction is going to be, you know, a a sound one if we were going to try and project who's going to be in the Final Four or win the championship? What do you think? I
4: I trust. The people that we would have on, I don't.
0: I, I do too. I mean, uh, we have some good people with a solid opinion. It's professor being one of them. It's
4: just tough. I mean, the, I, I did a one. I did the bracket for the belief, and what I have is chalk as hell, and it's never that chalk. So yeah.
0: I mean. Oh, you already sent yours in?
4: I did it this morning. I just did it quickly while you were talking in the first segment. I, <laughs> it's like whatever, because I, I don't know anything, so I pick a few upsets, yeah. and then it's like okay, like Iowa State and Iona have going to the sixteens. Like I don't. You know, have Iona uh, yeah, moving, uh, moving past why there. why not? Wow. like Houston, I have going these. Miami, I actually have going farther than they probably will go. I, it's it's a it's friggin' crapshoot. I mean, once you get through the first two rounds, is a pain in the ass.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, You know, first round, that would be the one to make a score if you uh, had a solid opinion. So, well, we'll try and help you formally when our Degenerate Friday show, I believe, will include Mark yes, Lawrence. Mark
4: Lawrence will be there this Friday.
0: He's always great on this. Uh, statistically, the professor uh, usually is, uh, you know, very sharp when it comes to college basketball uh, handicapping. So, we will try to give you some, uh, you know, opinions uh, of people that actually watch games and uh, make these kind of deductions based on something other than uh, just a, a blind uh, pick or uh, some monkey picking the green or purple grape. Well, we did that system we one time, and it worked out pretty well.
4: We literally had a monkey in studio go versus me, and I think it kicked my ass. <laughs> I kicked
0: my ass. I, I got buried like too, yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> but but you can't look at a man, and, and I, I mentioned this, uh, this is an extreme version of the signs from the gods that things are about to reverse in a very negative fashion. And you have to be able to sense when you're about to fall into a slump or a losing streak. But the Scotty Scheffler versus Roy McIlroy pick in the uh, – Tournament players championship pool. How sick is that? When when you're off by 32 shots, that's a lot. 101 handicapping. Pick the winner.
4: <laughs> oh okay. Well, thanks. Have some
0: instinct towards uh, you know the the guy or the team that's actually going to prosper. All right. So you can't be that far off. And then you know expect the guy to come up and go. Uh, oh yeah, you like anything deep?
2: <laughs> the hell do I know? Nothing. Exactly. At this stage.
0: I am scared to make my next bet after that. I am frightened. By the way, uh, I, I'm sorry. Mike Mayo kept hanging on to this horse here, KD Kakis, Yeah, That was running an aqueduct that I, I thought uh, had such a trouble race the first time out that I can't miss the second time. So I bet my brains out and the horse did the same thing the second time. Pigged out in the stretch. Pork. You're talking about, I mean, uh, tomorrow's strip of bacon. This was uh, just a, an absolute pig run by this horse. And it turns out the horse just sucks, because uh, Mayo I think was still playing him at Aqueduct. I ran uh, yesterday, first race three to five, <laughs> up the track, my friends. This was not exactly Riva Ridge, <laughs> and uh, more money went, uh, you know, uh, just absolutely on fire, up in flames, up in smoke, as uh, Katie Kakis, uh, you know, just ate it, ate it, and uh, finished up second again. They're going to have to drop this class down to, like, low-level claiming at Bueller Park before this source ever triumphs. And there he is. And, uh, oh, look at that. An unfortunate, uh, you know, a misstep at the break there for Katie Kakis. And guess what? All of you chalk players are doomed. <laughs> I wish the announcer would call it that way. All right, we're coming back with more in a moment. Uh, now that. The time. What I mentioned in conclusion here on this uh, Hylia thing, go to Hylia Park. It's uh It's 8.34.
3: Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we
5: go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at Mile Marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at Mile Marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066.
4: Recently, we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier before you call. Insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954 809 8752. I have sinned against you, my lord. The only way to get your morning started is with DeFo, joined by Luby, right here on The
0: DeFo Show. Welcome back to the show, uh, The DeFo Show. Peel yourself off the mat Monday. Hope you guys are enjoying the ride. Uh, we also uh, feature now on Five Reason Sports Network. Defoe on five with Mike Luby Lubitz. So if you want to catch uh, a short bit of us there, it's uh, supposed to be 15 minutes in uh, duration, but uh, we keep going past the championship rounds there. Takes us a long time to get started on that thing, right? Because it's hard to focus that early in the morning, but uh, we appreciate the response that we're getting there and uh, hope for uh, even bigger uh, numerology uh, later on down the road. Uh, All right, uh, a couple of things on the NCAA tournament, uh, Luby. Uh, Here's what we know, if anything. Drake uh, is obviously a danger, I-, I believe, to the University of Miami's chances, especially compromised by injury, number one rebounder around in there. Our team seems to be not playing a- a- as uh, sharply as they were when they hammered. Uh, didn't they hammer Duke at home in, in uh, that uh, home game just a couple of weeks ago? And uh, and then Duke uh, rebounded after that game and played some great basketball for John Shire, who I thought was very much on the razor's edge uh, coming into, uh, you know, what I- was uh, – uh, going to be a rare, very, very rough uh, position to justify, uh, but uh, things came together. I, I thought they were really coming on. Jim Sarni says they're underrated uh, as a four seed uh, in the yeah. tournament. Too. Uh the ACC last year, remember when Jim Laranega joined us? Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he was already, it was kind of after they had made their, uh, you know, grade eight appearance. And, uh, you know, he, he was talking about how the ACC was being dissed by everybody. Which uh, this year it was it not being dubbed as uh, and uh, depicted as uh, you know kind of a, a mediocre year at best for the ACC. So uh, once again, uh, you know, it's a conference that hasn't necessarily been accorded the greatest of distinction by the uh, selection committee, but uh, may distinguish itself by the time all is said and done. What do you think, Libby? Yes, I love ACC. Duke.
4: Whether you want to admit it or not, it's playing better basketball. I mean, they just are. The yeah, they were, they
0: were coming on at the end of the year, is, which is a good position.
4: The Filipowski kid's legit. Uh, the three big-time recruits who were disappointing all year long have played really well lately, and they seem to cruise right through the freaking ACC tournament. Whatever the ACC is, they still won it pretty easily. So that that's a feather in their cap. And Shire... For as young as he is, he's been around the program a long time. I, I, Ken's going to watch this and be sick. I'm not hailing Duke. I'm just – and I'm not rooting for him. But I, it seem like the team that is – as if Duke can ever be a dark horse, it feels like they're sort of that for this tournament.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, same thing with Gonzaga, who a lot of wise guys yes. are uh, pointing a, a, as a target. I, in fact, on a selection show, uh, one of the uh, handicappers there, Clark Kellogg, I believe, uh, was uh, selecting uh, Gonzaga as his champion, his ultimate champion. I I somehow don't see that. I, I mean, I, I am, uh, you know, exactly in the same position with that uh, until it until it beats me. I will book all action on Gonzaga personally. Uh, you guys want to send it in, uh, go ahead and uh, send us a message how much. And I don't know if I uh, can we do this even on the Internet?
4: <laughs> no, it's illegal. just when openly
0: book wagers against no. Gonzaga to win the <laughs> national the championship. <laughs> we will take all of your action <laughs> it's against
4: on that. the law. We will not. This is we will not.
0: soupy Sale city here. Is, uh, just send us your, go to your parents' reach pockets. Reach out to uh, Depot
4: on his Facebook. Yeah. Do not do it here. I want no part of this. It is not legal in the state of Florida, sports wagering. So uh, South Florida Live, nor Michael Lubitz, have nothing to do with this. Go to Jeff DeForest on Facebook if you <laughs> want to reach out and make a bet with him
0: missing right there. Yeah, it's not legal. Zuckerberg won't state. give a fly on one about that. Well,
4: that's on you at that point. I, you do what yeah. you want in your own time. And I'm not going to need your phone number out on air. So
0: what would Ron DeSantis position be on uh, me personally booking all action against Gonzaga <laughs> on a public platform? Uh, relatively unregulated here. I mean, if you're going to, uh, you know, not, not allow kids to read, uh, you know, uh, first grade uh, reading material. Uh, that is very basic in nature. Then, uh, what what would he have to say about me booking all action against Gonzaga? I I, I don't know. The wise guys seem to see that team, uh, you know, as one that that might have a chance to win it all. As I mentioned, uh, Clark Kellogg had them in the Final Four and going on to win the championship in what everybody's saying is a wide open year. So if yes. it's wide open, why are we not willing to pick against uh, any of the number one seeds? Because well, I was going to say Kansas, Alabama. Houston, uh, Alabama, and uh, you know, and and you know, going against. uh uh, you know, all the, Purdue, uh, the other one with that Zach Eady monster kid, who yeah. uh, I think the Greek, that was appropriate. Was he not spot on when he said that Zach Eady looks like the Purdue mascot? <laughs> I, I wish I had said that because it's so true.
4: <laughs> I finally saw him this weekend for the first time, and I was like,
0: that's you a never guy people have been
4: talking about. The guy's like 7'4", yeah. and he actually is decently athletic for a guy that big. Oh, no, he's okay. Yeah. He's just, I guess, I was like, why would... He's not working in the NBA, and then Ken's like, because he's a big. <laughs> and he doesn't go I mean, outside he, at all. He, he's
0: very dangerous <laughs> close to the basket, as you might imagine, because, uh, yeah. you know, he towers over the opposition. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, he's very adept with a hook shot, I, I believe, with either hand. I mean, it's not like he's uh, reminding you of Kareem, but it, he's a little more physical even than uh, Abdul-Jabbar was. Uh, Abdul-Jabbar had the sky hook from a longer range, but around a basket, uh, a very high percentage uh, of conversion uh, by Zach Eadie. Who's not not the most exciting player, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, is a a very lurking presence, literally, uh, for Purdue. I I don't know. Did they win the championship? Every team that got to the number one position or so it seemed throughout the course of the regular season and then uh, even into the conference, some of the conference tournaments, uh, was almost immediately knocked off once achieving the top level of status. Yep. In a game, that they would like lose their subsequent game after uh, being uh, cast in the number 1 spot. So that would be an indicator, but I mean how much separation is there in your opinion would be uh, very difficult to judge at this stage between the the upper echelon teams, number 1 seeds even number 2s and, and uh, going all the way down to the bottom where you get your Kenosha States and teams of that caliber. Uh interesting matchup too right right out of the shoot Uh, I think this was a very tough draw for uh, Rick Pitino as a number 13 seed with Iona, but uh, draws a red-hot UConn team. Red-hot, Luby.
4: So that shows you my little knowledge because I have Iona winning two games.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibilities, uh, you know, and and you would love to see it. The the only thing is it's going to delay Rick Pitino saying how much he was thankful for Iona, giving him the opportunity (laughs) to come back into the game. And that he is going to resurrect, and New York City will be once again basketball paradise as he resurrects the St. John's program from the grave. And uh, they're not quite in the grave. It seems like I mean, was f- you know the fact that he has already announced that he will be wearing an authentic Lou Carnesecca sweater for his <laughs> final game at Iona. <laughs> a, a concession that he's throwing up the white flag there that uh, UConn's going to be too tough to beat, and B, that he's taking a St. John's job, our good friend Rick Bettino. What do you think? Karnasek, sweater. <laughs> I
4: don't know if either. If he comes
0: out there in that ugly thing...
4: <laughs> then that's that's a tell. <laughs>
0: a sign, my friends. A sign that well, can't be ignored.
4: Talk about New York and coaches. We are going to have Coach Jim on tomorrow. Oh, uh, at nice. So... Uh, How
0: accommodating is this guy? I mean, really, I was telling a Mustang uh, the other day. She doesn't know Jim Larranega. She, I mean, is they, familiar with they the fact that. Do they
4: play Friday or do they play Thursday? I don't know. If uh, I believe yeah. I, I don't know. No, I, don't, look, want because, uh, I yeah, don't want to say because I'm going to
0: find it now. Yeah, I have to uh, find a schedule there, but uh, uh, I mean, for for him to uh, accommodate the number of interview requests that we have for him and come on a show, and I'll have to ask him about somebody else Friday. besides Friday. The Whopper, yeah.
4: And they not only play Friday, they play fr- Friday at like one of the later games. They play at seven twenty-five Friday.
0: I was not confident in their, you know, game against Duke as, uh, you know, if you go back and backtrack their uh, their conversation with the professor and the professor was, uh, you know, k- kind of, uh, you know, giving me, he was goading me a little bit saying, Hey, hey who you talking about? Everybody thinks that Duke, uh, you know, should win this game. And uh, yeah, you know, that, that was, it. I thought the common wisdom and, and sure enough, it turned out to be the case. Although Luby, as you mentioned, uh, the uh, unfortunate circumstance of the, Key injury to the Hurricanes. Um, you no, know, it didn't help him any. And, and they were in this game. There, there were chances there.
4: Yeah, look, they hung around for being down yeah. their only big all game. They hung around. It's just, it, it sucks because uh, Ken might have ended up being right. If it was like that without the kid, then maybe, because that's with yeah. Filipowski, he's not physical. He's a big dude but it feels like he can get
0: pushed around at times. He, he, he uh, you know, ha- had a great advantage. And then Nigel Pack was chucking from the coat the Oh, no, coat they, that's again. all they did was shoot far away. And right. he missed, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he was not on uh, in the late going, and that that I, I thought it really compromised their chances because he took a couple of uh, quick Maravich-esque type of shots where, uh, you know, very early in the uh, possession clock, the shot clock, uh, he was hoisting one from 35. And, uh, you know, if you're not going to be red hot, Obviously, you're going to miss uh, shots in a run. Those are bad. What's that?
4: Those are bad. If you don't have a rebounder and you're just chucking yeah. long threes, it's automatically a dead possession. Like, that's automatically just... It's ugliness, yeah. And,
0: and, and I will say that Jim larañaga handles what would appear to be outrageous mistakes by his players with, with uh, I mean, a complete epitome of cool. As uh, Maybe that that's a big reason why, you know, they they kind of unabashedly will go ahead and play their game, and if they do it right, uh, that they would be formidable. But uh, Drake... Mentioned Luby mentioned as a sleeper team to a- at least advance uh, past a couple of rounds. I- Iona and UConn. Uh, I-, I would think UConn would be a fairly significant favorite. I, I don't have uh, the odds yet for the tournament because uh, my New York Post, uh, unfortunately, to a certain extent, is yesterday's news tomorrow on things like that, where uh, the-, the these uh, you know the brackets came out even though six o'clock uh, might have been too late for them to find odds. I, I- for The opening round of the tournament, I I would imagine you're getting a a decent spot there with Iona in terms of points uh, against UConn in that game.
4: Well, and and Sarno brings up a good point. It's one of those rare things where they're the lower seed, but the way the fucking bracket works out, their first pod is like a home game. Because yeah. it's in freaking out. And yes, UConn in the Northeast has is a diaspora like the Northeast because there's not a lot of great Northeast college basketball anymore. The UConn yes. has sort of taken over as the Northeast team. They're a sleeper. Iona being there with Rick Pitino in the capital of New York. Feels like a sort of a home court kind of vibe to me, which is yeah, works. In this Pitino's is only favor. Kemba Walker
0: all over again, man. <laughs> That's what the Friona. UConn uh, faithful are I'm hoping for. <laughs> Just a magical run, and, and Iona. Uh, you know, I mean, look, uh, we'll we'll be rooting for Rick Pitino in this game. I'm not a big fan of the UConn program uh, overall. Mm. Uh, they, uh, you know, uh, reached uh, a level of excellence there for a period for of time that yep. uh, they haven't really been able to replicate no. uh, for a while. They, they had a remarkable run with Kemba Walker. Uh, how, how long ago was that, by the way? I mean, he's older in the uh, NBA like now. <laughs> Ten years back, right? He's already washed up as an NBA player. Yes. So uh, it was
4: over a decade ago.
0: Yes, maybe, I mean, it had to be uh, what? It, was that in, in – uh, you know, 11. about ten years ago, what you, what'd think you say? So. I th- 2013, I think 2014, in that range. I want to say 14 was the year that UConn won the championship with Kemba Walker leading the way. And uh, to this day, Jersey Kyle Martinez, and the professor, lamenting the fact. 2000, yes,
4: 2011. Good job by you. I was gonna Eleven. Say okay,
0: I wasn't close, but. Uh, <laughs> but you can't talk to a guy that could be this, this fucking wrong. I mean, I, I, it upsets me to think that I. I was off by 32 shots on a 50-50 proposition. Do you realize an enormity of that disparity? Yeah. One player, a selection difference in my uh, PGA Tournament Players Championship pool, McElroy versus Scotty Scheffler. Now, uh, McElroy had given indications that he he could, uh, you know, go out there and do something. But is this turmoil that he has, uh, you know, with, with all this new responsibility as a spokesman for the PGA? to to uh, you know just be the guy that goes out there and totally denounces the existence of the live tour that that's his whole mission right now is to tell you the live tour sucks and these are a bunch of blood sucking money grabbing uh, sellouts it should be largely ignored yeah
4: he's wasting his time because i forgot it even exists
0: no yeah. so like if he's, he's not talking about it we wouldn't even know the yeah. live tour was uh, you know still going around until donald trump was uh, cited <laughs> as having had a subpar round at one of his courses in Mexico. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's the only publicity the tour gets, except when Greg Norman makes uh, some more bizarre assertions, uh, like, uh, you know, that the election was
2: rigged.
0: He's still making that claim.
2: That was a pretty good
0: joke, uh, although, I mean, uh, you would imagine that the uh, right wing of extremists were were appalled by... uh, Jimmy Kimmel's uh, one funny joke uh, of the entire Oscars presentation that, uh, you know, uh, the uh, best uh, award for film editing should go to uh, Tucker Carlson for uh, making the (laughs) January 6th, you know, uh, I mean, uh, the the whole riot at the Capitol building looked like it was a tourist brochure video.
2: Yeah, that's great. Even for a guy
0: that's wearing Viking horns. Like We've seen the Uh, video. This is Nancy Pelosi's office. And as you can (laughs) see, the desk is quite neat. Would you like to sit there? Yeah, they have Viking, the only video
4: that's peaceful. It's like that doesn't mean that's the only video. Like they don't want you to see this. I don't give a shit if we saw that. It doesn't change the video we do know exists. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Well, this is here, too. Yeah, it's here too. T.O.O. That's the key word. There's also the other video where they're taking down statues and threatening the sitting Republican vice president's life. Like both videos exist, the real.
0: I mean, and uh, you know, the, the the lasting and indelible image I always have with the January sixth thing is that that poor uh, officer whose arm is being squeezed in the door there, who's screaming in agony, and uh, you know the mob is uh, doing its best to go ahead and continue to destroy this man physically, and you're you're asking yourself how on earth could this be happening, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of like you know you you have that lasting image of the Vietnam War where the guy is being you know, I mean, just blatantly, uh, you know, executed in the streets there, uh, and and you're thinking, my yeah, my law, uh, Kent State, said same sort of thing, uh, you know, and people forget, you know, uh, uh, police officers and uh, you know, all, all of these uh, right wing law enforcement people are like, uh, co- cops died in that whole think. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, but it can't be ignored. No, it's true. Such ugliness, but they brought that up at the Oscars, where uh, you know, Mayo with the line of the day. That, uh, what is the uh, name of his flick everywhere once again? Everywhere,
4: Everything. I don't know. I've never heard of it. <laughs> everything,
0: Everywhere, All at Once. Okay. Let's... And he says that's the, uh, you know, I mean, that's the exact outline up. of the way that he has uh, been <laughs> been eating lately. <laughs> yes. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And that, that's pretty much true, right? Oh, my God. Because I'll get like uh, 16 texts. That all must be downloaded on my phone. So, you know, you're going to hit that thing and it keeps moving as you go from text to text. And then, uh, you know, do you get them all if you hit it once? I'm not sure. And uh, then there'll be like uh, pictures of of like a massive amount of food that uh, Mike Mayo has ordered. uh, Mike Mayo's Lunchbox fame, which will come your way at 12 o'clock today. And you're thinking he couldn't possibly have eaten all of that, could he? Everything, everywhere, all at once. What do you what do you think, Louie? Perfect uh, description of yes. what uh, Mike Mayo's doing.
4: All weekend I got pictures of different food. I'm like, Is this the same day? I'm like, what what day yeah. are we? Like where are you what are you eating? I'm like, what is going and, on? And he didn't
0: even have pictures of the Tannezini anything, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure he was at. I know. With the lovely Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know that was like carting away like twenty pounds of food. Tommy T isn't gonna maybe that's why they had nothing left by the time you got there, Louie. That Mayo ate it there at first.
4: Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. He seems to do what, and that's what's interesting is he eats all these different meals, and none of them yeah. are light. Like, it's not like, oh, I had four meals, but one was a salad, one was a yeah. appetizer. It's like everything. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's like, what? Everything is like heavy How do duty. How you do that? I, I'm like, good uh, for you, the, but I uh, can't do that.
0: Stuffed field chop. That That's like for breakfast. He was having that for breakfast the other day, a stuffed field chop, for God's sake. Unbelievable. All right, uh, he'll be coming your way at 12 o'clock today. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. I think uh, on the road, uh, shenanigans uh, later on this week. What's the name of the place you're going to be at with the lovely uh, Nikki Mohan, you know? Uh, that's uh, a good
4: question. Uh, <laughs> you cut me up All right. No, but it's a
0: good spot. Uh, you know, and uh, those shows are always fun because uh, uh, Nikki doesn't, you know, she doesn't uh, hold back either, man. She, 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 El Guanaco.
4: You know, uh, it's uh, okay. Mexican and El Salvadorian, which sounds amazing. Yes, Yes. will
0: they be watching the World Baseball Classic because the Mexican team apparently is very formidable. And and wow, how knowledgeable are are, are viewing and listening audience here because on the comment line we have guys that can name a a significant portion of the Mexican team's roster.
4: (laughs) but what bothers me is the guys they've named haven't been good in the majors for years. Yeah. No, and a
0: guy from Tampa, he's uh, he's extremely good, But, I mean... A Rosarina? yeah. It
4: doesn't compare to what's on the U.S.'s
0: team. Exciting ball Clemente-esque. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you would figure that, uh, you know, since we invented the fucking game, <laughs> <laughs> never mind Puerto Rico, Venezuela, all of these teams that are drawing yeah, right. huge crowds, by the way, yeah. to Lone Shark Park, the Marlins' home playing field. And do they have a disclaimer up there on any of the Lone Shark... <laughs> Uh, You know, wherever they have a loan shark, uh, it's Loan Depot.
4: Yes, Loan Depot is the actual Loan
0: Depot, which I'm not sure. I mean, uh, you know, what kind of bargain rates are you getting from Loan Depot, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen? Is that like borrowing money from the money store?
4: That's what it feels like.
0: (laughs) You just get the feeling that the association with the Marlins is not necessarily conducive to enhancing their reputation as a creditable source of, uh, you know, finding a loan. Well, what do you think?
4: Well, if anyone knows how to take advantage of a loan.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, it would be the Jeffrey Laurier and Samson. But they're gone. They did not make this marketing deal. It was consummated, I guess, by, you know, Derek Jeter, maybe. Well,
4: put it this way, Bruce Sherman is supposedly one of the brokest owners in sports.
0: Does he yeah. own the shirt on his back? I mean, what's the story That's with this guy? That's the thing.
4: So he, too, when he sells, will make a, a, a buttload. So, again, it's a fitting name for a ballpark.
0: This guy, uh, you know, and I forget the name of the guy that bought the Islanders, but uh, he he had no money. I mean, it was almost like a George oh, the joke, Santos yeah, thing. Yeah, the joke thing. Yeah, years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sherman uh, uh, less, you know, uh, flush than that guy. <laughs>
4: no, I think he does have money. It's just not billions. Like he's a hundred millionaire as opposed to a billionaire.
0: Or Bruce yeah. McNull, my criminal friend uh, at one time, <laughs> who uh, ended up buying the LA Kings, and it turned out he didn't own the shirt on his back. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Numismology is that a new uh, what is that uh, the uh, coin collector is that numismologist no idea where you're a coin collector what do you think Libby I have no idea coin coin co- why couldn't they just call it a coin collector right had <laughs> <laughs> to come up with some word like that because they don't want you to know that the guy that's also uh, a synonym for criminal activity when it, when it came to uh, Bruce McDonald uh, and I told my Bruce McDonald story where you owed my buddy and I money uh, we go up to the uh, box that he was in at Santa Anita uh, he was going to give us a check. Uh, there's a black guy who, uh, you know, just looks like he literally was, was, like, sleeping on the street that morning. And that McNuller picked him up in his limousine and taken him to the track. And we thought, wow, what a benevolent soul, this Bruce is. And, and the guy kept chiming in. Yeah, you're going to write these guys a check for what? <laughs> I are saying, uh, you know, to ourselves, uh, you shut know, not to be disparaging because I have up. great empathy and sympathy for homeless people. But, shut like, up. it was like, shut up, you homeless bastard. Shut up. We need this money desperately, man. More than you. OK, more than <laughs> we're about to join you there on the, uh, you know, by the Main Street gym, uh, you know, sleeping outside there in a doorway. And uh, here's McDowell's about to write us a check for several days, which was like huge at the time. And, uh, you know, as we're just finally getting sick of this guy chiming in about this as McDowell's writing a check, he says, oh, I want to introduce you to my friend. This is Barry Gordy. Yeah. <laughs> Who you know? I was big. Uh, you know, I guess oh, what he. he uh, I like icon, to the... Yeah,
4: Barry Gordy. I mean,
0: one of the richest, uh, you know, people on the planet there at the time. Barry Gordy, of course, Motown. Yes. The and like, oh, I'm Mr. Gordy, it's a pleasure to meet you, man. How much did I love the Supremes? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and shut the fuck up, by the way.
4: <laughs> exactly.
0: I think that was Robote City with the mail check. I think we had to put that through a second time, and it did clear eventually. But uh, that, do you not immediately have a disparaging opinion of the person that wrote you a bad check? Yeah, of course. Regardless of how harmless the situation might be. Like, yeah. you know, maybe there was some, like, glitch in the transfer of funds from one account to another. Because uh, you're, you're constantly kiting checks. Are you not uh, Mike Luby Lubitz? Uh, no. Oh, no? <laughs> I don't care. I you're give, the one guy I know that lives legitimately. I give you're you the money one guy, guy I have. I <laughs>
4: I'm like, if I don't have it, I'm not giving you a check.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, we had a lot of fun being with you today. Uh, I don't know uh, if we accomplished anything. Drake, uh, dangerous, I, I believe, against uh, Miami. And uh, I hate to think that, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the Hurricanes to win that game. And a winner uh, will face uh, the winner of the uh, Indiana game as uh, Indiana. And that one will be going against. I, uh, I wrote it down here. I
4: don't have a bracket in front of me. Uh,
0: you know, Indiana, Kent, uh, Kent State. Oh. Is Kent State an upset no. possibility 13 versus a 4 Indiana, a team that some people feel might get out of a bracket that includes Houston, which you would have to think Houston's playing some good basketball lately, aren't they? Louis? they seem to be of the number one seeds. I think Alabama was the number one overall seed. Where, were they not? I mean, I'm not they sure. They are, yeah. They were the number one overall seed. Yes, they were the number one okay. overall seed. The and they play a community college in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a community Literally, like uh, it said CC. Corpus after, Christi you know, It's like, for Corpus Christi. Oh, Corpus Christi. Christi. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I thought they Broward were playing College. Broward Community. You're like Broward? <laughs>
4: like Santa Fe? <laughs> yeah.
0: Some JUCO, man, uh, where they sent the kid, they couldn't pass, uh, you know, uh, even the most modest of, uh, you know, uh, educational uh, you know, considerations to get in because uh, he, he can dribble. Uh, FAU. What about FAU? Uh, what do you think? Uh, did they get in as a 13? FAU, 13 seed. Are they really a 13 seed? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I think they were, you know, well more advanced than, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like uh, they were going to come in there as a 16. I, I, I don't believe. I don't
4: think they're. Are they a 13? I don't. Know. FAU. Uh, I might have written
0: that down somewhere else. I don't so know well, what but, seed uh, they are. Uh, what's that?
4: I don't know what seed they are. Yeah, I don't know. I,
0: I, I, Doesn't I, matter. I mean, did they have a chance? I mean, they they, they played great basketball this year. And we should get that Dusty May uh, on, our, uh, on our show again. I'm trying, I, I reached
4: out. I reached Ian for the exact reason that he's literally – remember, he doesn't do one game. When he does – when yeah. you do these things, you're doing four each day. It's not easy might, either
0: because you might not know either team. Well, and
4: that's the thing. is, he, And he, he does college basketball throughout the year, but with his TNT yeah. and his Nets duties, college basketball is like sort of his third thing. So How does things. he do
0: it, man? This kid is smooth, so, isn't he? Well, what it is is these next wow. few
4: days he'll cram like he's in friggin' college to make sure that he's good for uh, the end of this week. So he doesn't have time to join us this week, but maybe next week, uh, Nick yeah. is joining us, and they're working on Dusty May. We'll see if we can get. Okay, tonight. all right.
0: Uh, you know, so we have uh, local involvement here, and uh, you know, obviously there'll be a lot of uh, degenerate action. Uh, it it uh, is always a fan favorite in terms of uh, betting. There have to be some solid Moneyline plays. We'll get into more of that later on in the week uh, with some of our guys that, that we know to uh, you know have uh, a pretty uh, deep uh, feeling for, for what's going on in college basketball. Right or wrong uh, in the first round of the tournament, uh, some upsets are uh, probably you know, going to be predicted by our guys on our Degenerate Friday show. Uh, later on tonight, Luby and I will be joined by the great Tony Segreto and Ed Garcia, where yes. we're going to check out. Fine. We finally have that summit. Yes. And this will be at the Miramar, Texas Roadhouse. Yes. So, coming out, that's right off I 75, is it not, I
4: it 75 Miramar Parkway. Yes, sir. You go west.
0: You can't miss it if you go there? Yeah, you go west. Is that in that thing where uh, they had like the boat campers that an There was, a boat, the on? There Bo- was
2: okay. a boat campers
4: there, yeah, yeah.
0: There was or is?
4: I, I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. I mean, there was a boat The
0: Marlins there. hosted something there, right? Uh, yes, and we, we were years there ago. doing some kind of uh, broadcast at the time. Yes. And. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's out there uh, to the west, but uh, Texas Roadhouse will be there. I believe I'm going to order the ribeye because uh, Ed Garcia always talks about how great it is. And uh, do I eat a piece of the fresh-baked bread on the way to the table? That's the
4: question. (laughs) I've done it before. (laughs) You you just
0: smear it in the butter. Yes. And eat it before you even sit down. I'm going to see what happens with that. But very excited about that. And and in spite of the fact that, for me, it's a major schlep, and you know my my feeling about driving now, very negative. (laughs) You realize, I mean, this is sick, just, and I, I know, uh, you know, you guys are probably a little tired of us, uh, you know, because we're uh, in overtime here. But uh, about a half hour after or before I got on 95, uh, it might be two exits up for where one exit up from where I entered. Uh, some guys are just like arbitrarily shooting at this truck. Did you see that? That's that Friday. 3.30 in the afternoon. I left there about 4 because I actually hit the uh, aqueduct pick 5 for oh, a, nice. a modest amount of money. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, it was 2.45 to the kid okay. on a, a, an already successful day. Uh, but um, a half hour earlier, some some guy just uh, was driving and started arbitrarily shooting at people uh, that were, I, I don't know if there was any road rage involved. What? But, yeah, there was a truck with I like a bullet hole it. in the door. And bullet. the driver was lucky uh, didn't get struck. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the kind of shit that's happening out there. And you're thinking, do I really want to be, uh, you know, subjecting myself to that? Never mind the lunacy of the South Florida driver being a mixed bag of the worst drivers that you could find anywhere in the world. They all assemble here. (laughs) And it becomes the West Islip uh, Speedway there with the Demolition Derby. I mean, it's just everybody is fueled by their own desire to exit this life in a fiery crash. (laughs) It's crazy. It's like Danica Patrick is driving every Mm -hmm. car. Incredible. Rough out there. All right, so I'll see you tonight, Luby, and I'll see you guys uh, again, uh, Luby, and I'll be with uh, Mike Mayo from Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. Yes,
4: Twelve o'clock right here.
0: Th- this may need an intervention at some point. <laughs> no, with Mayo, <laughs> no, I love the kid. He's not drinking. Everybody says the same thing that that Mike Mayo is very likable, but uh, how could he eat that much food?
4: I don't know. It's it's, it's amazing to me. I watch everything I eat. I, I don't mind him eating with us, but like the rest yeah. of the time, I'd like him to sort of monitor it. He's like going all in.
0: Shoveled all in, man. I mean, with mashed potatoes and gravy. (laughs) All right. uh, We'll see you guys at 12 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. uh, And it was a pleasure. Uh, We also have Defoe on 5 on 5 Region Sports Network. Yes. And uh, Luby uh, also sending them uh, clips from this show. Yes. So uh, we're all over the place. And, uh, you know, we we have our Believe podcast, which I I think will include some serious handicapping if we can awaken Brandon Lang from, uh, you know, uh, I mean, what will be an especially heavy burden as uh, we lost an hour of time this week uh, to Daylight Savings Time, but will it still be impacting people in Vegas mm. four days down the road? Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, see you tonight at Texas Roadhouse Restaurant in Miramar if uh, you're in the uh, area there. We'll be there about 7 o'clock. Yep. So, um, you know, and, uh, you know, if there's a wait, do you think Ed Garcia has to sit it out? <laughs> or is like any time some big shot came into the uh, restaurant and you're like, make sure everything is impeccable? <laughs> First thing you did is, like, spill a glass of wine exactly. on the, uh, you know, CEO of the place that owns 16 of these joints. All right, uh, we'll see you later as we leave you know that. Especially a red wine. That was ugly. White wine you could get away with. Sorry, was that the tuxedo you are going to wear to the Oscars, sir? <laughs> as the guy's catching the early bird uh, somewhere uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, it's 9 uh, nine oh six. 6 Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.